0: Two buddy. They're bad. They're boys, and occasionally they talk about running. Yes, it's the Bad Boy Running Podcast with your hosts Jody Rainsford and David Heller.
1: Come back, baby. Come back. With bye bye
0: bye bye. Bye 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 admit I was a clone, to be messing
2: around, but that doesn't mean that you have to leave town. Bye 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 hey. hey, how's it going, man? I'm all right. How are you? Uh,
0: yeah, yeah. I see I say, yeah. Just because we've had a little chat, you made me really pumped. But I've been injured. Ah,
2: oh, no, no I'm not injured. No, go on. Which one is it now?
0: Um, just a little one. Well, so I am off to the is it the Ute of the Faroe Island Ultra at the weekend.
2: The Faroe Island Ultra. Yeah. Who's, whose event is that?
0: That is same organisers as Love Trails. Right. And um, it's it's interesting actually. Are they uh, I think I don't know why they, I think they probably thought right. Where's the nearest place? as the crow flies that doesn't have an ultra run and then they went ah the Faroe Islands that's that's kind of close if if you're there like taking a hovercraft
2: (laughs) on the Faroe Islands um, the place where they do that hideous like whale killing thing Uh, they kill loads of whales within like a 24 hour period and stuff it's almost like a festival type thing Oh, like, no, I'm you sure, know about that? Yeah, yeah. I'm, sure, I'm sure that's, like, all over Facebook, literally, like, about two two or three weeks ago, and I think that's the Pharaoh Isles, I isn't it?
0: Yeah, I, I only found that out about <laughs> three weeks ago. It's it's almost like a death bay yeah. where they they shepherd all the whales into this one bay, and then, I, from what I can tell, they just get – it's a bit like the scene from um, Braindead where they just get a huge – Meat grinder and just run it through the water and just slaughter thousands of whales. They probably do something slightly different to that. Um, right. But... So, you're,
2: so you're so you're going over there to support them, are you? I'm. I'm just. I love whale meat. What can I say? It's. Uh... Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> so the Fair hill Islands Ultra. Is it even big enough to have an Ultra? It's. I mean, you have to it's run one... it three times or something. I've no. I
0: I I don't even know. I found out. Two days. <laughs> is ago. Ross
2: McDonald driving you there? Is that how it <laughs> works? <laughs>
0: Well, I was I was bought it for Christmas by Mum Claire and uh, Mama B, future mother-in-law. Yeah, and um, and so I only found out that we're we're getting a cab tomorrow morning to go to Heathrow, and then apparently, so the Faroe Islands. If you go to the the Inner Hebrides, yeah, and then pass that to the Outer Hebrides, and then pass that, that's where the Fle- Faroe Islands is. Ah. But for some reason, we're, so that's northwest kind of heading out towards iceland for some reason we're going via denmark so we're flying all the way (laughs) to which claire hadn't realized apparently that that wasn't necessarily on route um but yeah heading out there and they they're putting on this i mean they've been quite sensible in that they're i think relying on their their network of friends yeah for the first one and it's quite small only 250 people or so for the whole event they're doing a Kind of 10k distance equivalent half marathon marathon and full but I was assuming and then ultra and I was assuming I was going to go and do the ultra and then having not really trained hard or recovered from um, comrades still I downgraded myself to the marathon and then having tweaked my calf at the weekend at Red Bull I'm now like oh uh, will I be will I be fit Will I be back to do anything? You know, when you're not sure whether you can go slowly or whether and and get through something or whether anything will will just inflame it or whether it's just the intensity that's going to inflame an injury. So I think I'm going to wait until the day before to decide.
2: But how are you? All right, thank you. All right. um, At the weekend, I cheated a bit and I I did a long, long run. Um, I think this is fine. I think cause that's fine, is, is it? That's fine. As long as it? it's not cycling or you know <laughs> sleeping,
0: sleeping with a twenty-five-year-old or something like that. I think that kind of cheating. Is allowed.
2: Okay, no, it's fine. I just it, it was just it was a combination of things. I was thinking, you know, it, it's it's nice uh, having short distances to run and everything, but just with the with the weather the way it is, with uh, it's just was on a Sunday. I thought I got up early, you know, running with someone. Um, you know, 18 miles through the countryside Amazing. to finish off somewhere with with lunch and everything. It was just, it was lovely. It was just everything you wanted from from a run. Felt really good. Felt yeah, you know, just energized. And that will help
0: your 5K, your 10K time still.
2: Well, yes, yeah, it will. I mean, it can't. You know, it, it isn't doing really damage. But it does make you realise. The problem is at the moment is that we've got we've. <laughs> I don't know whether this has just been timed like this, but we've got a lot of. Podcast episodes. Where everyone's talking about ultras and how great ultras are. <laughs> <laughs> and, just, and in but not just in the oh look like like you know technically uh, these ultras are good or to, technically these yeah it it all seems to be very romanticised like romanticised and uh you know you're listening to it and even though I'm listening back to it and you know and doing some editing and, and stuff like that I'm thinking. Oh God, this sounds brilliant! Or oh yeah, I, that's the feeling I get. So it's like it's drawing, it's drawing you back in. It's really, it's really difficult at the moment. We've had some great episodes. I think the issue is if you speak to good runners, they tend to run
0: well and have good experiences more so than people who are ill prepared.
2: Yes, yes. Uh, so we need to speak to some more ill prepared people in order for we this to for this to work. Uh, there that... are there are lots and lots of them we can. We, can uh, we, fact, we
0: need to find the worst the the equivalent of a uh, barclay marathons when they give one person the number one yeah and that's the person the, who they get the to the gods he's <laughs> yeah gift for the gods we need to find the person who has had who's the worst like prepared 100 miler or ultra where it went the worst possible way it's hopefully still alive um because I think that would be amazing. It, like this is how not to do a hundred mile. I think that'd be a great interview.
2: But it, I think there's a there's like a gap, isn't there, between people? There's people who like prepare a hundred percent for their race. They're made, you know, they've prepared really hard, and then almost there's like a little tiny gap in between who people think I probably could have done more, but I'm pretty good. And I think that's a really really narrow group of people. And mm-hmm. then everybody who comes below that, which is you know a massive amount of people think. I'm completely unprepared for this race. <laughs> and I'm only really talking about you know, bit like sort of big races like marathons yeah. and things like that. But I, the amount of people who would say that they were completely unprepared for a race. And I was talking about this the other day with someone. Um, it might have been when I was running. That the, the way that you uh, view your lack of preparedness doesn't take into the account your previous experience. So yeah. you may think you're completely unprepared, but because you, for example, run um, a bunch of races of similar distance and stuff beforehand, you know stuff through habit and through you don't you don't mm-hmm. lose that knowledge. Whereas if mm. you turn up unprepared for, say, two people turn up for a fifty mile, one of them's run you know ten fifty miles before, the other one's done it. They've given no notice. The person who's done it before is going to be in a better position because mm. they have that knowledge already. The people that's never done it, that really is unprepared so we'd have to find someone who has n- never run the distance or ter- type or terrain of race before who turns up completely ignorant to it
0: yeah ideally they think i've got this, <laughs> this <dude." laughs> oh my
2: god that's the best part. that's the best <laughs> the kind of guy <laughs> he gets literally like on the start line it dawns on you wait a minute you never said anything about mountains <laughs> That's what a mountain is. I thought mountain, that's <laughs> mountain, I thought mountain meant it was all downhill. I remember at the end. Why, yeah. why, why is everyone wearing ice shoes? Why is everyone.
0: Know? Because at the end of Ultra last year, when everyone set off at an incredibly fast pace for a, what, 33 mile, uh, 3,000 3, metres, um, I was working my way through the field, and I, the guy in third or fourth, when I passed him, he kind of looked at me and said, oh man i haven't run more than six miles in training <laughs> i'm not sure why he said that to me because i kind of just looked at him of like and i think he thought i was like oh fair play buddy But i just looked at him like what the fuck are you doing like, what why are you running at seven minute miles up these hills like what i mean i, I think i gave him a look, look of you're going to die out of him. <laughs> we want to find that guy who he's probably done, he's probably really good at a sport when he was younger. He's, he's, he's a bit of a big
2: drinker. He's, uh, he's, the sort of hobby, yeah, the sort who goes, oh, I just, yeah, I just need to do a couple of races and I'm, 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 I've recaptured my youth. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. And he probably knows a
0: guy who doesn't look like an ultra runner, but who's incredibly experienced and has done him, you know, reasonably well in a hundred miler. But he looks at him and thinks, oh, that if that dude can do it. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm clearly more of a sportsman than that guy. We, we need to find that person. <laughs> I think
2: I think we have an entire online community of that person. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think we have to look particularly far. <laughs> so do badders, nominate who you think
0: was the most um, underprepared, but, but ignorant to their lack of preparedness. Yeah, for a, yeah it specific. has to
2: be a retrospective thing. You can't turn up to a race thinking you're underprepared, because in some senses... That, that means that you are, are aware of it. You have an awareness that, that you need to do things and you'll adapt accordingly. This, the person who who is the most underprepared is the person who has to adapt while they're running and realising as it's happening that they are underprepared. That is, the, and, that is the best type.
0: And I can't remember which jail company I was talking to at the London Expo, but when I was there trying to flog um, illegally my product... Um, <laughs> I was I was saying to them like do you do you sell stuff at the marathon and, and he was saying oh yeah loads like people come pe- people walk around and go gels nutrition gels what are these and he, <laughs> and he'll say oh they just make you go faster and it's like brilliant I'll I'll have how many do I need of these uh, eight yeah i'll have eight those please so this is a saturday before the marathon like great i'll just shove these in my pockets
2: and it's that lack of preparedness that we're looking for so um well why do not yeah. you change the caffeine caffeine bullet um so to help helps you win marathons <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just just make big promise help It don't say it makes you win mar- it true. helps you in helps you win marathons yeah absolutely yeah yeah yeah
0: <laughs> with, a, with a star hash helps by giving you confidence that you can win a marathon
2: <laughs> based on based on <laughs> based on bravado, the if, if bravado it com- will give you if confidence won you marathons this helps you win marathons <laughs> <laughs> yeah so uh
0: but yeah, I um I was down at the Red Bull Quicksands event.
2: Oh yeah, I saw that. I saw that. Um, I saw there was a quicksand thing, and I saw the there was a Facebook live with a young lady. Um, uh, was she what, was she comparing it or or interviewing <laughs> it or something like that? And then then you suddenly pop up on it. Go okay, explain it. I don't know anything about this. What is what is? Well, quicksand? firstly,
0: she was amazing. Um, I think her name was Saint Louise Hazel, and she was a heptathlete in the um in the olympics in she's 2012 really, really familiar yeah well she was basically k k k, k- J-K-T. Is her name kjt the non um jessica ennis one before kjt
2: oh so, okay
0: okay yeah so she was the one you're like oh we've got another hat athlete oh she's all right actually she's pretty good <laughs> but during the course of representing Every time that she came on news, she goes, hi, I'm Louise Johnson. I'm an Olympic blah, 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 blah. And if you imagine that's your your intro every single time you talk. And so we we know who she is after the first time. We're like, oh, cool. Oh, wow. Fair play. Great. And then every single time, she just keeps on saying it. You're like, all right, we get a message now. <laughs> like, <laughs> but we... um. Because we, I hadn't really publicised the the Red Bull event because it was the same race weekend as Manby Mountain. Right. And I didn't didn't really want to. I I just wasn't feeling prepared. Well, partly I forgot to register, but
2: also well... <laughs> it just comes down to that. Oh, partly to do with the fact. But I hadn't at all registered. <laughs> <laughs> but also, I, I I just didn't feel
0: um, I just didn't feel ready for it and yeah. so much on. So I I didn't really want to be publicising the rebel event when you know obviously Man V it, Mountain
2: is Man V Mountain. Do you still have the title for Man V Mountain, or is that is that long
0: gone? Uh, I I think I've still got the fastest time.
2: Yeah, but you were, um, you didn't do you didn't do it last year, did you? I don't, I don't think
0: so. You're racking
2: up so many wins and victories that it doesn't—you're just forgetting them. Just look, look in your trophy cabinet. Let's just check that out. Well, they've stopped.
0: I think we're still owed a. a In fact, Claire keeps on reminding me Uh, we're still owed an Aaron trophy from Pete. The trouble is because we're mates with them all, it doesn't seem like an urgent urgent
1: (laughs) need. They're like,
0: "Oh yeah, sure, we'll do that at some point." So, uh, but Claire, Claire's not had a, a rat race. Tankered. fact I haven't had a rat race tankered. I've only had the, the slate thing. So we, we need to get those. But um, yes, I hadn't really publicised it. But it's great. We turned up. There were quite a few do there already. Um, quite it's- a few mudsickle people who separately entered. Yeah. But the concept is, it's one mile as fast as you can over sand dunes, which is quite a nice idea.
2: Because where was it? Margate. Is it, is it renowned for its sand dunes in Margate? I don't know. I've never been to Margate.
0: Well, the thing is, it's, it's a Red Bull event. So they they have the money to create. And uh-huh. they had, it's, it's got this beautiful beach, like really sandy. And they just brought in
2: JCB Diggers. <laughs> so they didn't do something with actual sand dunes. They just created some.
0: Yeah, they just created <laughs> I, I don't know if they shipped in sand or if they just dug up the existing sands. But as soon as the event finished, they had a contract with the local council. They had to return it to a completely flat beach yeah. by Monday morning. So these diggers just went around smashing everything up suddenly. But yeah, they'd, they'd created a, um, an 800-meter course that was, I mean, it wasn't insane, but it was pretty impressive. They had some pretty steep climbs. And the idea is that you'd, you'd go out tw- two laps – but they'd have it was almost like a bmx course where you yeah. had little bumps then you had some quite tough climbs where they kept on relaying the sand. so it was always loose oh uh, okay yeah it wasn't a case of by the third heat you'd just climb on the steps of where everyone else had been because it was always crumbling and, and yeah it was great they did three four waves of men's two of three three of women's and um and you had to finish in the top, I think, 50% and 25%. And they had the ways through the day. But what's great about it – I mean, it's, it's a Red Bull event for one. Um, Rundam crew were down there playing mainly garage music, which we were absolutely loving. Um, and you then hang around. And if you think about most races, because we're ultra runners, marathon, half mar- marathon, you get there. No, everyone's nervous. No one really talks. You race – and you might chat to someone mid race maybe not and at the end you're knackered you go home whereas this it's it's lovely because you you have you do your 1 mile and then you hang around you're cheering on everyone and there's there's a lot more of an atmosphere yeah. but also because you you don't have to win your heats to go through it's not until the final that anyone really knows who's got what in the tank oh okay so um we we went down there with um, ross and ross the two mudsicle machines uh, yeah and friends of the podcast they um they were in heat one and uh, just led it out just utterly breezy and it's not until you see them run that you realize how slow running in sand actually is how draining and how hard because they looked like they were jogging and i think they were running not sprinting but um yeah i was in i was in heat number two and uh it's surprising how hard it is you, you don't know whether part of you thinks everyone's going to go out too fast should i just hold back and come through but then also there's such big scrambles up these hills that if you're not near the front you can get trapped but um yeah went through the first heats got to and i was thinking all right if ross and ross are here then for one i'm not going to beat them no matter what there's this other guy in <laughs> my who was amazing, like, okay, I'm not going to podium. So I thought, just got to make sure I make the final. And then the plan is to do whatever it takes to get Ross and Ross to win. Yeah. So, um, Briggsie Briggs and Miller turned up. Briggsie's injured. So she did the first. She still entered. And, uh, yeah, absolutely smashed out the first lap. Miller, can I announce this? Yes, I can. Yeah, Miller's pregnant. Whee. So, uh, so Pete Reese has been, been doing that. Doing a good job there. Um, but he put her on instructions that she wasn't allowed to race. Now, Miller being Miller is just too much of an athlete and a competitor not to. So she goes out 60 weeks pregnant um and is just demolishing the fields on her first lap, looking so relaxed. Uh, but then sadly retired after she qualifies and, and they both bail out because they they don't want to push it
2: basically yeah. and they're too competitive and they know that they <laughs> know they can't it's not possible it's not possible i cannot run without winning yeah or yeah attempting exactly to win yeah that's fine that's fine and it
0: it's a shame because it would have been great to see there was one incredible uh, female who i think miller would have had an amazing race with but briggs definitely would have podium that she'd have um been running in the final But yeah, so my intention was, right, semi-finals, gun it out, just make sure you get through. And then final time, I'm there to disrupt things. So Ross and Ross were looking good. There were (laughs) probably five other, I'd say there were five, six people who could potentially win. And you just had no idea because as soon as you were, you know, in the semi-finals, for example, I gunned it out. I was in sixth place and just feeling pretty. And then I just chilled and came in in 11th or 12th or whatever it may be. Yeah. And you had no idea who else was doing the same. So final the strategy, I said to Ross and Ross, look, I'm going to go out hard, hoping that everyone else then thinks, Oh Christ, this guy's been holding back and, um, and go with me. And so that, that will hopefully destroy them. Yeah. And they can then pace it properly. So I do exactly that, and me going out full pelt, I still couldn't catch the guy in the lead. <laughs> <laughs> There's just one other guy was going out full pelt as well, and um, and then I heard some guy behind me um, shout like, "This isn't serious, right?" And then like, "What is this pace? This is insane, isn't? This is joking, right?" And so we then we get over the first hill. And my plan had been to run the first third of the course yeah, and then, and then hold back. After about a fifth of the course, <laughs> <I've> got, <laughs> I'm already done in. Just so ruined. So, um, but yeah, it was amazing to then, I, I then completely slowed down and kind of stood on the hill so I could actually see what's happening. And bloody hell, Ross Brackley, who is an amazing athlete, absolutely bossed it. Ross, um, Ross did incredibly well. Then uh, I think he died in the the second lap and just got caught. So he took third. And I just love the atmosphere. The, the weather was perfect. Had yeah. the music. They um the security were a bit weird and and overly zealous and letting you actually get through to the fun area. But they let us bring beers in and just such a cool race really. Just just one of those nice days where it almost feels like a, a kind of a, a festival celebration rather than a really competitive race because everyone's chatting to each other all in their little you know in their, they've all brought their little crews and, and groups and just really enjoying the day rather than it being overly serious just great event great event
2: so with it so so what's it like running um like doing a sprint in Sand, sand's hard. You know, everyone knows sand's hard and stuff. But normally, you know, if, if, for example, the last time I ran through dunes was probably MDS. The last time most people would have attempted to do is yeah. if they had done it like abroad or something like that. But you're, that's normally like a, a, a sort of a slog through it and everything. Actual sprint though, a sprint over a over a yeah. mile that must just. Uh, how, so it, how how long would it take? How long does a mile? What were the winning times? What, 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 I have no idea what, what, what difference that makes in terms of yeah, the, the amount of time that that would take.
0: I'm not sure. I mean, I, I clocked, I think, 7.10 for, for my semi, where I'd backed off. No, maybe 7.20, where I backed off quite a bit on the, the second lap. I'd imagine they were, the winner came through in a 6.30, maybe a little bit slower. Um, but, you know, Ross Brackley is a guy who can do a 32-minute 10K. So he's a good runner, yeah and, um, but also, I think the difference with if you're doing a one mile event or if you're doing a one mile event on sand, you know when you just go and you completely you just you you're spent you're done, and you then just start to drop on sand, you can do that and and then it's you slow down so much, so actually just making sure you've you haven't overcooked it and gone off too quick pacing pacing on a mile course that's amazing yeah yeah and and even trying to figure out the best things to run on because you are often just but just seeing everyone's shoe choice as well a lot of barefoot people Um, you weren't allowed spikes or studs um a lot of people wearing kind of innovates i just took my track shoes and took the spikes out but no one had a clue what to do really because i didn't think (laughs) anyone had run a race race similar um and the final was great because everyone's there properly cheering people on um but once you're kind of setting your speeds it was very hard for people to catch up or overtake or yeah um, but yeah that was the issue i I, because i went out hard and i hadn't warmed up i then pulled my, my calf oh, a bit, okay. and just had a little tear and um i didn't realize it in the morning because we then went out to a beer festival oh. and
2: yeah had a great time but um <laughs> and, the, and so this is a brand new event from red bull
0: yeah yeah and I, with i think with red bull they tend to do things at least twice yeah so hopefully it'll be back and they, they did luck out with the weather but um the, the the word on the street is that the steeplechase isn't back you know it's not coming back now that's over oh, really yeah yeah and just um well they've got such different priorities to other races and there's nothing new to write about it really is there
2: yeah yeah i suppose so they have a very strategic approach to to doing the things don't they they're not like a traditional yeah. race organizer in the sense that we're going to do this to build up the reputation over time they yeah, They know exactly what they want to achieve with everything. They're, as a company, they're fascinating. Um, <laughs> yeah, but even from a marketing perspective, say, yeah.
0: Yeah, and, and even if they sell out a race or not, that doesn't matter to no. them. It's about h- how many journalists, how many bloggers, yeah. how,
2: how big is the PR. Um. There's, something, but I, I, there's something about that, actually. I was thinking about this the other day. There's something about, you know, there's races that are always going to be there. that You can always go to, and they're never going to go anywhere. But the mm-hmm. idea of like running races that may, it may be the only running of the race or this only maybe happened happen a couple of times. There's something quite special about that. The whole idea that, you know, that, it, you know, it gets you, it doesn't give you the opportunity to, to like, you know, take ages to prepare for it. You're like, okay, I've got one shot at this. And then, you know, imagine yeah. if they did like Spartathlon only once every 10 years or something. How, how, you know, how people would, how, how people would change how they feel about it. Um, yeah. So yeah, but uh, I mean, the economics of it only mean that someone like Red Bull could do that because I suppose with the uh, normal race organisers, it normally takes two or three years of building up the reputation. you probably make a loss on it for the first couple yeah. of years. So but well, good. So we, good. All want, oh, we want a story down the pub that no one
0: else can top.
2: And yeah, so- absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, that's it. it yeah, because that's it. I'd have loved it if the year after I did the MDS, uh, the company folded and it would never happen again. Because that would have yeah. made me an absolute hero for the rest of time <laughs> until other people did it. But it's true. It's kind of true, isn't it? That you're right. You do. You, do, you want a story that no one else can say that they've done it. Um, yeah. And also, they. I mean, for the for the size of Red Bull,
0: I mean, we were saying it's crazy that there, there weren't really that many people there. I don't think it was sold out right. because they don't really push it. They're not. They'll they'll invite people through the PR team. Yeah but they they don't spend any money on advertising trying to get people along and we we could if we put an event we'd get more people there in the first year than they did because I think for them they almost want it to be a word of mouth thing where people don't hear about it and then and then there's that FOMO and there's that regret they're like oh god damn it I've got to do the next Red Bull thing Uh, how do I I've got to sign up to the mailing list then so I can hear about it I've got
2: Yeah. Yeah there's that, there's that, there's but other people seek it out that's a much more powerful mechanism uh, in terms of like psychology of getting people to buy and get people to participate.
0: Yeah and, and I, th- I think with them as well they they'll do the first year and the first year tends to be the hardcore who love the brand who just do all their races and then the second year gets a bit bigger where there's a, there's probably more established athletes coming out who are like this is great and then um and then they, they'll probably call it I'd imagine and unless you're i think the only events i can think that get regular that repeat are the ones that are televised you know yeah. the red whatever the go-kart thing is and the, the diving one because that for them makes sense because they do get the pr coverage whereas something like quicksand the third year is quicksand you know, the second year everyone's gonna be like, oh my god it's coming back we've got to do that yeah. third year you know it's it's a, everyone's told the story already um the Guardian running blog men 's health' they're like you yeah, know we 've already covered this
2: yeah that 's true yeah absolutely it wasn 't i wouldn 't say it was as classic
0: a Red Bull event as previous years you know there was there was no bar, there was no booze, there was no there wasn 't like a, a food stand you had to go off into to Margate to get things the the first year of their events tends to have amazing merch um, f- with the what was the swimming one? The something step, Neptune steps, you got a free dry robe yeah. when you signed up. With the first year of the steeplechase, you got a, a free, well, in fact, the first, second, and third year, I think, you got an amazing hoodie. If you finished top 30, you got an even better hoodie, which then made everyone, made it even more desirable. Yeah. With this, it was good, you know, it was, it was a nice t shirt, you got a nice medal, but it just felt like a race and and uh yeah this is what i get from every other race whereas with red bull you normally expect something a little bit more special yeah. a bit more memorable so that was a bit of you know that was a bit of a shame but, but mainly because we're, we're so used to them over delivering that when you get the same as
2: everyone else it feels like you're short-changed yeah no exactly oh that, is, that sounds good that sounds really good that sounds horrible as well So I saw a video of you uh, trying to get on top of some sandcastle structure (laughs) and like hoisting you up there and you falling off. uh, It doesn't surprise me that you're injured. Well, yeah, that's true, actually. (laughs) Well, they
0: they built all these sandcastle structures and they look very solid. Um, (laughs) and what? you forget it's just sand isn't it so then you like <laughs> climb up and it like this is oh no and it all collapses underneath we did that at the end once everything had been finalized so that we you know we weren't just going around destroying things um actually the the, the probably the the funniest thing who i felt so sorry for amy um from Mudstickle, right because she is she's missed Mudstickle now yeah they they wanted to film her with you know in the final in the semis and um and amy isn't someone who you know goes out wanting to do well in races she just enjoys it and so she she did the heats and um did, did did you know did fine in the heats but did, didn't qualify and they're like right you're gonna have to go in the semis so made her do the semis and at one point she thought she was gonna to have to do the final and the, the the women's competition because they didn't have enough people yeah they had either one or two, they might have had three first rounds but i think they only had two two heats they then had semi-finals two semi-finals i know one semi-final because there weren't enough women and then the same group of people raced again for the final. So they'd already had essentially the final, but they reduced it to seven <laughs> people. So at one point it looked like they were going to have seven female runners and then they were going to force Amy to run the final for the sake of the cameras. And obviously Amy's horrified. It's like, i you going to be so far behind the seven quickest people? It's just going to be utter humiliation as I run rounds and everyone's waiting and like cheering me on. So thankfully they didn't... Um, they didn't insist on that. Um, <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, but, really? Uh,
0: yeah, really good. Ven and I'm now just in that. I've I've not run all week and my legs feeling okay. So yeah, we'll see. I, I I I feel like I've got to do something out there, um, but I don't know whether I'm just going to end up being stupid and racing and injuring myself properly or whether you know it's just be sensitive you know when you've got that slight niggle that it was a sharp pain so therefore this is properly bad don't train through it and now that it's a dull pain i'm like mm.
2: i just i go i always go for the. if it's any pain there's the there's the excuse there's the <laughs> you excuse for netflix <laughs> wait a minute you stab a compass into your leg there's a pain if there's a pain i don't run um oh, actually, i've got a netflix recommendation oh have you
0: yeah, we've we've been struggling. Actually, do as. Briggs and I need some recommendations. Hopefully, now that it's autumn coming, there's going to be a lot more series. Taskmaster's back, which is great. Um, so hopefully, I think Always Sunny in Philadelphia is coming back. But we we're going to watch something. We're like, what what are we going to watch? We're out of series that we that we either follow or that we enjoy. So um, it's called it's about Doctor Dre and his business partner in beats and it's a documentary that that follows their progression through life it's really good partly because the whole nwa and what was happening with dre ice cube easy snoop is insane but then i never realized the other side his business partner has worked with nine inch nails he kind of launched them he was working with uh who else have we got tom petty then marison manson basically everyone was controversial yeah in the last 20 years most people know about a little bit about dr Dre. i mean i didn't know half the stuff to do with um with suits suits what's his suit whatever his name is b smalls um yeah and uh, i'd say suits night each night. i didn't know half the stuff about that and how he walked away from his business but also his his new business partner on on beats G- uh, jimmy levine the guy is a whirlwind he's worked with everyone controversial from nine inch nails to um marilyn manson to lady gaga basically anyone who has been pissing off middle yeah. america yeah, yeah that's him and he is—he his whole story is incredible as well, and and they, they just do it side by side where you you see how they're progressing in their, their respective careers, and then they come together, and um yeah, it's amazing, A really really interesting, real insight into the music industry, but also into the rap scene at that time, and um and now just about I mean the, the fact itself of three billion so quickly, insane. See, we need to be doing what they do. They get. The Beats headphones in every music video. We need to be that with
2: the merch. In merch in every video, yeah. Well, when we get hold of some, we can uh, we could do that. You do get you, but you you appear in a lot of you you wear a lot of merch at events and stuff like that. You get that yeah, pretty much in every every opportunity. Ross was yeah. wearing, Ross was wearing BBR. We got another. We, got bbr on the podium again there's so much there's so many so many bbr podiums that it's it's, it's becoming an avalanche of, of goodness the trouble is that bbr podiums actually go against the brand <laughs> yeah but that's it we're gonna we're gonna be like reverse iron man like if you if you are seen wearing our merchandise while on the podium we will you will be banned from all future events and from <laughs> wearing, it's like yeah the opposite of sponsorship yeah
0: yeah yeah absolutely unless unless you've stolen a place on the page unless
2: you, <laughs> yes unless you've got this nefarious means you're not <laughs> allowed to represent BBR in any way shape or form unless the only way that you're allowed to have um BBR merch is if it's dodgy knockoff merch the perfect have... the perfect seg oh, go on, going
0: go from one of the best documentaries I've seen recently on Netflix to one
2: of the best documentaries I've recently what? on the BBC oh that was a bit that was good um, this is jumping around a bit. What was the name of the documentary? With of Love. No, you, no the, the Beats one. <laughs> <laughs> I'd, I'd love it, actually, if it, was, if it was actually in Welsh. That
0: would be, yeah, Dr Dre Welsh rapping. Um, <laughs> it was called The Defiant Ones. The Defiant Ones. Okay. Check it out. It's, it's about um, four episodes, five episodes long. Um, first episode takes a little bit took a little bit of time to get into it from about halfway through though you'll then you'll be tied in and you're like wow, it's just so insightful but, um, but yeah from one awesome documentary to another you <laughs> So um, <laughs> our, our next guest've we've, we've been uh, well, wanting to get on for a while and um, it's quite rare in that we've managed to get someone. Who started off in triathlon saw the evil and the darkness that lie lay ahead, and switched through cycling into running. But um, that's if our you best, don't know, that's
2: our best type of person. That is, that is the best type. Someone who's been cured and has come through yeah. it, who has been saved.
0: You are the poster boy of what you can become with, uh, with the three point plan of bad boy running. But um, yeah, if you don't know Hugh from. Ultimate Hell Week where he absolutely smashed it. Um and I think came second or third or but got to the top three at least, just destroyed me, destroyed everyone else, destroyed the course. Um he's also well known for recently doing a documentary on BBC, the Welsh one, S4C, is that what it's called? That's it. Fail yeah, S. yeah. Um, about the dragons back and cleverly created his own film festival for his own documentary to win about the race he was doing. So welcome to the show, the greatest self publishedist on earth, Hugh Prasington. As, as always, a pleasure,
3: David. How's it going? Has uh, no one, no one picked you up on that yet? Uh,
2: I, I think that that is one of my finest moments, I think, that one. <laughs> that, is, um, that is classic. That's like classic Hellard, but someone doing it better than Hellard. The yeah. best thing was the one that came second was another documentary
3: with Hugh Brassington in. <laughs> I had one shot of not making that one, and I, I, I did interrupt the video when it was playing. So you know, you know, I did, I did my best. What was your selection process?
0: Did you kind of walk down the stairs and see what DVDs you had lying out?
3: <laughs> it was pretty much like that. Yeah. What can you get? running. No, no, I I had a a, a vast array of uh, sporting documentaries, and only about three of them, actually, with people running in them. So uh, those were our finalists. And, uh, and yeah, and then what you do then is pick all your best friends to be the judges, (laughs) and you you have to really big up their credentials as running judges. Now, Dave, yours was just struggle. It was like, yeah, yeah.
0: I think you have me down as a former international athlete, which I yeah. think technically is, is, is correct. But I think in what people exactly. would believe that to mean would mean that I actually represented Great Britain as opposed to just having run abroad. <laughs> <laughs> I
3: think you started off with the fastest silly bugger in the world, wasn't it? Something like,
0: Something that. like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, um, but welcome to the podcast. How you, you've just come back
3: from the honeymoon. How are things? All right yeah it was, it was all right the um, Kenya is amazing if anyone wants to go there but um as I was explaining to you earlier' is, um it, the, the honeymoon is sprinkled with a with a with a few uh, bad bits along we did, we did see a leopard and all the big five and all that but then on the way back our cameras gotten it uh, unfortunately so um yeah I've got yeah, we, we've got, we've got one video of a leopard and that's about it. Your, your leopards are quite boring unless they're doing something. So you know, I'm quite happy really. But
0: yeah, with your heavy drinking as well, you've, you've probably only got about two weeks until the memories are all gone. That's it. Yeah, yeah. And... <laughs> so uh, where should we begin? So um, I think we whoa. should
2: begin. I think we should begin by trying to explain to the listener how exactly we're conducting this interview and the utter weirdness <laughs> of it, because. <laughs> I I don't know how to describe what's happening here. Uh, maybe you want to, David.
0: It almost you know when you're in a film and someone has died, or then they've just passed out, or they, they're drowning, and then they drag their body out of the water and they're looking up. It's, it's from the viewpoint of the person who's lying on the floor. Yeah. Imagine if just the top half of huge face was then. <laughs>
1: It's <laughs> then extorted. It.
3: So um to epic proportions. It it you looks as if we're li- just set this up to look up my nose, not it? <laughs>
2: It's like it's as if we're looking into another
3: galaxy.
2: <laughs> it's like we've got dwarf camel or something. It's bizarre. A hairy <laughs> bent nosed galaxy.
3: Yeah. Basically I can't I can't figure out how to switch my Skype camera off. <laughs> um, <laughs> but it is it on the base of your laptop? No, no, I, no, I, I really don't want to. I quite like people looking at my nose. It's a weird thing I've got. It's just like you know, one of those things. Well, Mace, you make sure you can always always
0: know if you're uh, you're hanging at least. But um, well, <laughs> welcome to the podcast again, and let's let's go back to the beginning then. So you came onto Ultra, Ultimate Hellbreak build as a triathlon, but it kind of became well, my,
1: myself. I'm
3: not actually a triathlon. Oh, sorry, that's a triathlete. Yeah. A triathlete. I've been introduced as a lot of things, but a triathlon is self-known. That's new.
0: A lot, lot of people have ridden. A lot of people have uh, ridden you, Hugh. So, in a way, ah. in a way. But um, yeah, I mean, it became quite apparent that you were you were definitely more than just a triathlete in terms of your background, in terms of your viewpoint, in terms of the type of things you you look to
3: do. Um, I mean, how would you describe yourself? Rugby player. That's what. That's what I, I. I. was originally, and I would be still if I didn't have another injury. Um, so yeah, I just love the game, uh, and it just teaches me a lot of good stuff in life. I reckon rugby or any team sport. Just um, running, on the other hand, is just a bag of balls, isn't it? You know. <laughs> so
1: what? What
3: so was what, the injury then? What was this? This big uh, break from rugby? What caused it? It was. It was just. Um, a nasty person from Bala. I don't know if you've been to Bala before, but it's this dodgy area um, in mid Wales where they, yeah, yeah. They, they build nasty farmers. And, and one of these uh, got my knee and um, it, it didn't, I could have gone back to rugby, but mm-hmm. the period where I was out, it was a bit of a struggle. You know, I realized that I'm not, when, when I can't do anything, I'm just, I just turn into a nasty, nasty individual. Like, you know, cooped up in the house and I just, couldn't cope and at that point there i thought right it's not worth it because i was i was you know twen- 20 mid 20s no like early 20s and i thought mm. i'm not gonna do anything in that and i want to try and explore what i can do elsewhere before i break myself because rugby will break you you know it's, it's so i've got so many friends that are just like now doing nothing not our choice just just because their bodies have been smashed to pieces by, by rugby you know Especially, more, yeah. What was more, that? Sorry. it's more the acceptance that
0: if you went back, you get is only going to so be long until you're injured again.
3: Yeah, exactly. There's a weakness there, isn't there? And, and uh, it's just going to be exploited. And so stepped away and then went looking for other things. And triathlon was one of them. First port of call, and then uh, it was good. Yeah, triathlon's an amazing sport. But um, I, I did that for a good two years. Went all over. Went to Beijing and Auckland with them. Um, uh G B uh, like the age group team, but um uh it was good. But uh I just got sick of the kit. I was just uh, and and you Ooh, know you know the-
2: heresy that is heresy as a triathlete <laughs> That's no no wonder you couldn't survive there for that long. No. <laughs>
3: yeah yeah that that's why I um I i soon, soon stepped away. You, you, the thing you can buy time is a bit uh, yeah I don't know. So is it more the frust- so is the frustration
0: that people around you were getting better not because of their ability but because of how how big their pockets were?
3: Yeah, yeah, in a way that, that that's a bit of it. But there's also I was never ever gonna be go further than where I did in triathlon. You know, I, I was um, I never I never stopped eating what I wanted. Never stopped drinking what I wanted. So so you know I got to the world champs, did that uh, and. It was been there, done that within a, a year and a half, and I thought, right, I don't want to. Year and a half, <laughs> <laughs> like six months. I was in Beijing And yeah, after my first one, I qualified. No, within six months of my first one, I qualified, and then in Beijing, then yeah, a year and a half, and then I, I thought, right, life's too short. The ne- next one, you know what I mean? Like, uh, <laughs> and are you are you
0: absolutely certain that after a year and a half? You'd peaked as much as you
3: possibly could in the sport. Oh wait, 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 As much as I wanted to, as as you alluded to there, <laughs> then you've got to get into the dark arts of marginal gains and it's not, it's not fun, is it? You know, dildo helmets and, and time trial bikes just
2: that they fill those dildo helmets, you know that. <laughs> With what? <laughs> it's their heads, that's their actual head shapes. They're just painted <laughs> on. It's the caffeine bullet store, isn't it? That's where they
0: <laughs> No, no, we don't start the triathletes. You know, they, um, they have to, to go through rigorous testing first to make sure just for running sections. But, um, so then, you know, you, you're, you've clearly found this passion for endurance. Were you then hell-bent on continuing down that avenue or, or did cycling and running just – was it those are the two elements you actually liked out of triathlon more?
3: Um, I. I, I get obsessed with, a few, with, with with things pretty quick, like, and, and it lasts for a bit, and uh, de France started it off, I just got really obsessed with that yeah, history, it's got an amazing history in it, and, and going into that, and then went off cycling, and then that, then, kick-started the, the triathlon. Uh and then I just get bored and drop them, and then go on to the next one, um, but one thing has always been a constant, you, you know, like, so you, you're saying like, as soon as you start doing exercise and stuff like that, you, you, it's a bit of a, you get hooked, don't you?
1: Mm.
3: Or is that just something you put in the caffeine bullets that, that you haven't told us about? I, <laughs> <laughs>
0: but I do, I do think that's, I don't know if ev- that's true for everyone, actually, because I think there are there's certainly some people where, I mean, would you say you've got quite an addictive personality or, or just quite a, um, are, are you a high achiever in in what in everything you try and do? Um, yeah. yeah. Oh,
3: you, you get, a lot of it is um, a, a legacy of small man syndrome from rugby. You know what I mean? You, you grow up as a, a five foot eight flanker in, in Wales and then you keep that mentality of having to punch above your weight and then whatever you do, then you've got to try really hard. And it's sort of... Uh, you find one way of doing it and that is you know, with everything you've got. And uh and so it sort of just le- leads on to the next thing. But as soon as I stop enjoying it, I stop doing it, you know. Um, uh, so it just leads on to the next thing. So talk us through how you ended up in New Zealand
0: then, cycling one of the, the hardest races on earth.
3: Oh, um. <sighs> Long story that started with when we met, wasn't it, in um, Ultimate Hell Week? On uh, and then after that finished, so we, me and the missus, long since given uh, decided to give up our jobs. Off we went round the world and ended up uh, watching Ultimate Hell Week in India on some dodgy Wi-Fi. And then uh, as that aired, there was a bit of uh, there was not much uh Of a stir, really you know you know like uh, so a few people tried to get hold of me, and one of them was uh, uh an outdoor magazine outdoor fitness and uh, and I, was, I asked for a q and a and then I did this q and a, and I put a bit quite a lot of fitness into, into it um and then yeah, they liked it, I asked them, oh i right. do you want some more and they said maybe, and then I heard absolutely and then <laughs> off I went, emailed every single race in my path around the world and said, right, I'm a, I'm an experienced sports journalist. <laughs> i in your way. Do you want me to do your race? <laughs> and you'd be amazed at the responses I got because, you know, you're going over there and they think, oh, this guy's coming from Britain. He must be really good. And they had yeah. no idea. So um got into a, quite a few good races. One, the first one of these um, was... Uh, When I was landing in New Zealand, and uh, we were, I I was waddling down the uh, arrivals lounge, looking like a a bit of a a fat, hairy sausage roll after, because I'd been through Southeast Asia and, and all that, just traveling and drinking and just eating what I want and not doing any exercise. So, landed there four months after I started traveling and then passed this billboard in the Arrivals around coast to coast, multi-sport world championship, and it's a 246 kilometers, 43 kilometers, seven um, stages, three disciplines, and you cross the whole of New Zealand in a in a day. All right, brilliant, perfect. Only starts in four weeks, so got into that somehow. You know, emailed them, and then uh, then realised that you had to kayak. <laughs> and I had to learn to kayak in the four weeks and start training, and it was just a mad work. <laughs> <laughs> but got to the start line of the Coast to Coast, and, and it, there, it, it struck me. I don't, have you heard of the Coast to Coast? Only since you've, you've talked about it at Love Trails Festival. Yeah. It, I hadn't really before I went. And on the start line, I started to realise how big this thing is. You know, it's like one of those cult things amongst multi sport uh athletes. Mm. It's, it's old, you know, it's it's, it's older than any other uh, triathlon out there. Um they're all based on this thing. You no, know, and uh, there I spoke to five people, three of them on the start line now, three of them had given up their jobs and sold their homes just to attempt the race. And whoa uh,
0: for, for their training or financially or? or
3: but yeah, everything it's expensive and as you as you said time to, to train for this thing it's it's nuts because well it's 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 a, it's a huge cost and they want to do it in, you want to do it in one day there's, two, there's there's what there's a some people do it in over two days that's that's like a thousand people or something to give that one a go every year but then about 100 people give the one day a go and uh, yeah, it's world-renowned, and then that there, that stat there, not that stat, but speaking to those guys there, and I was on the start line, I turned up four weeks beforehand, <laughs> <laughs> and I was still podgy and just like just did not look like someone... <laughs> the coast-to-coast
2: coast compared to these guys and they were just keen, you know. You oh, know. I, hope and you, how, I hope you did good bants on the start line with them, a little bit of, a, a few mind games. You're like, yeah, yeah, I, t- I just saw the post in an airport and I thought, you know, why not? Alex, easy,
0: yeah.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> and were you, were you calling yourself World champion? <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, just putting the fear of God into them. and uh, no. uh, it, it was... I, I don't know, it was, it was quite surreal. That's the only bit of the whole thing that I remember properly because the rest of it is just like a, a, a whirlwind It just goes nuts from there on. Because, yeah, mad sprint over the dark sand towards the bikes because when uh, when you start this thing, you've got a three-kilometre section over the sand until you get to the first draft-legal bike section. And that means just people sprint. They go all out to get to the bikes and it's just dark, and it's really funny. <laughs> I spent <spelled, I> <laughs> the first bit just almost in, in tears, laughing at the people falling around me. Um, but yeah, it's a tough race, but amazing. to see New And then before that, um, I um, but, but this this ethos of you know, like being a knob and signing up, and saying yes to everything in my path, it sort of cocks up sometimes. And uh, a week before. No, two weeks before the start of that race, mm. coast to coast, I got a phone call from another race that I'd, um, I'd, I'd uh, emailed saying, ah, um, we've had an injury to one of our media teams. Do you want the spots? I was like, oh, brilliant. Yeah, because it was a good, it was a cool race. It was like the pioneer. This is the cycle race you were talking about. Mm. It, it, Cycle um, and it's all inclusive. They give you food and and you cycle. It's quite it's it's a tough one. Seven days and you cycle from Christchurch to Queenstown in New Zealand. So it's 550 kilometers and a lot of bumps. Um, you, you you know you you you're going traversing the mountainous spine of the Southern Alps. So you, I think you you climb maybe twice the height of Everest over the course. And wow. I thought. It just looked, and, and it was mountain biking. So um, before I could turn around, I'd said yes. And then I just thought for a minute. And it sort of struck me. It's quite hard to explain everything the magnitude of the dump that had just landed on my head when I said yes.
0: Because <laughs> are you a technical mountain biker? Is that something you've trained in? Oh, of
1: course
3: not. No. It's, it's, it's probably going to be the first time I've been on a mountain bike. <laughs> um, but I didn't have a mountain bike is another one. And the biggest shot in the balls here was the, the, the thing was starting two weeks. It was two weeks before the start of Coast to Coast. So two days from when I agreed to do it. And I was, in the of the, I was in the middle of trying to prepare myself for this Coast to Coast, which was starting two weeks away. And then I had to start this I had to go out and rent a mountain bike, the first one I could find in Christchurch, racked up to the start line, looked left, looked right, and I, I didn 't even realize then because I didn 't recognize them, but I was on that start line with the Commonwealth, medalist, <laughs> the Commonwealth gold medalist the world champion in this very sort of quite elite field of of road uh, of mountain bikers, and then there's me this. Shit, hairy baked potato from North Wales who, on his rental mountain bike he picked up the day before, and it was just uh, a crazy seven days that I somehow survived. Quite so,
0: were a you at the back the whole way then, or were there other people who weren't necessarily as prepared as well?
3: Um, I wasn't at the back, not, none not as prepared because you can imagine. I was literally, I had a 26 inch wheel. Um, giant ghost and I I didn't know that was bad at the time, but then turned up. Everyone was on these massive stallions like carbon fiber, twenty-nine inch wheels, which is the, the thing these days, I, I assume. Anyway, and then so no one was as as ill prepared as me, but um I, I think I finished mid mid pack, something like that. But one one funny thing that happened was my uh the guy the I, I replaced this man's wife basically he he was he was the um he's the editor of mountain bike australia and uh and he's pretty keen and that's quite unlikely he's very <laughs> keen. and him and his wife had, 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 had almost won like the mixed team in the transalp which is one uh, the is in europe um the previous year so this guy was an absolute maniac, you know. Were you in a team of, together? Yeah, I uh, guess. Well, for, for a bit, anyway, up to about three days, and then he put in a special request to leave. How <laughs> 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 to demoralize shit mountain. He's <laughs> at, at his wits' ends, you know. You know, I, I, oh, my legs were gone. My arms, I couldn't even use my, my, my arms, Are turned to turn into these claws like dysfunctional like like, imagine a like a tyrannosaurus rex you're know, like with shit front arms that just can't work <laughs> that's what mountain biking does to you if you're not used to it so i was there trying to like unzip my stuff at night like this like some just useless t-rex and this guy was just like trying to give me tips and just like tell me <laughs> what to go faster and and then he just dumped me after three days so i was for the final bit which were the best ones you know when I didn't have no pressure just cycling which I really enjoyed oh so were the <laughs> two of you actually cycling together then oh yeah hand in hand no. <laughs> no. That, that's, that's what we should have been doing but um, yeah it didn't work out like that. Um, and how did you
0: find out he dumped you did he actually have the balls to tell you face to face or did you suddenly get he looked at the
3: score sheet and you couldn't see your name there <laughs> He just turned up in the morning. Just, I'm, I'm going to be starting. Um, a, a, I can't do an Aussie accent. I'm not. Oh, gonna... <laughs> you, <laughs> mate. I'm going to start. No, no, that's it. That's about it. That's that probably was a kid. <laughs> probably Puerto Rican, yeah. But um, he, he just told me one morning he was going to start before me, and uh, he'd asked for a special permission. And uh, and yeah, that's the last I saw of him. <laughs> <laughs>
0: And so, uh, did you, I mean, what t- kind of terrain are you mountain biking on there?
3: Were there any incidents? Did you fall off? Did, you know, were your tyres blowing <laughs> out? Um, I had, oh, I, I, br- the bike was pretty broken when, when I rented it. You know, it was like six years old. There's not much paint left on it. But By the time I took it back, it was absolutely ruined. And Me even. I, there was three somersaults involved, like bad, you know, major. If I, if I managed to land in mud twice and like gorse, really spiky gorse ones but anyway that was all right just sort of almost fluked it but I, I, I did tend to try and avoid the, the high speed descents and that made it more knackering for me if anything, you know because I was just trying to not get killed and get through it
1: mm. it
3: means I was out on the bike for just so much longer than the chiefs you know they'd be done in eight hours or six I don't know and then I'd be there oh 14 hours some days you know it's just too long to be on a mountain bike (laughs) and did that give you any physical
0: problems then were you getting particular rubs were you potentially
3: creating injuries or well my my gooch is just about forgiving me now (laughs) and you're standing up for most of it so I don't know how that happened but um, you know there's a lot I can't even count them all but nothing big you know, because I, I managed to finish the coast-to-coast Coast a week afterwards um, through some miracle. But, um, yeah. And so back coming, back. Off
0: the, coming off yeah. the back of that then, were you fairly – did you think that actually helped you in the preparation for the coast-to-coast Coast, or were you still pretty much dead when you started?
3: No, no. First one, I needed a crash course. You know, as I said, I was very – I was mega unfit, Yeah. You know? so i needed I needed a crash course in um uh getting fit maybe i needed something to to get me that that d- dropped down a stone i reckon over that week uh and uh and it worked just about had enough time to sit down and, and recover the biggest thing yeah was my my hands you know like yeah, they just turn into these weird claws that you just can't operate just, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah so to get a few people to try and undress me that week, but um, it was worth it. <laughs> oh, that's the key, is it? <laughs> yeah. Or to, just, see, just like just to get people to undress you. You, know, so you, you, mentioned, you mentioned that, you know, you've
0: been doing this on your, your travels, but you were travelling with your fiancé at the time. So, I mean, what does she make of all this? Well, you're spending the whole time together doing these races where I assume you're not seeing her at all.
3: Oh, uh, she's... Incredibly supportive, she, and I think she's used to it by now as well. So she'll just go, "Yeah, what do I? How can I help you?" And it's just brilliant. It's just yeah, amazing, and yeah, so just very supportive. And maybe she's probably thinking, "This guy's getting a little bit fat." <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to marry him. You better finish, Hugh. That's what she could probably see in her head. You
0: I, I love it if that genuinely is how she thinks. So every little inch, she's like, okay, marathon de Sable, right? Gonna have to run across America, okay. And then it's it's a good way to keep motivated.
3: <laughs> what to drop weight to?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So. um so then moving on to the big one, the, uh, the, the dragon's back, the, the spine. We've mentioned it a few times on the podcast, but I don't think we've actually had someone come on who's run it before. For the people at home who, who've not heard about it or who don't know the race format, talk us through the miles, the elevation, how many days, the, the, the actual format of the race. Right, okay.
3: So, so on paper, what it is is five days, five marathons you got 220 miles over the Welsh wilderness. And over those five days, you climb fifth, uh, twice the height of it, just a little bit under the, twice the height of Everest. Yeah, 15,000 metres. And um, you, you start in Conwy, which is in North Wales, and you climb up through Erery, Snowdonia, and down through mid Wales, over Cader Idris, down to the Banai Brecheunio, which are the Brecon Beacons, and you finish in Llandelo. Um it's the the, but that but that doesn't tell the, like the whole story. It's it's just like it's, it's so much more than that. Like the history of it is cool. You know, not many running races have uh, have got like such a good hook to get you into it because you you look you look back. It started in nineteen ninety two, and uh, it was the first race that I can that I can think of anyway. You know, but. I'm, hmm. you know, quite new to the sport and quite young really but it's, it's one of the first ones that, uh, that had this day after day format and mm. um, it had this big oil sponsor I don't know who it was but then the, this business brought cash in it and then all that cash brought the good runners out so you had all the best runners out there you, you had this Swedish ultra runners and this American came over You know, world renowned people in mm. their field came over to give it a crack and five days later, who was victorious? Helen Diamantes. She's Helen Whittaker now, but um, her and Steve Stone. Now, that is on like an, a, a woman won this race on an even play. Well, yes, it's not any, the, the most, the bumpiest, roughest <laughs> even playing field there is out there. She won and it was like a milestone in in so many different ways that like the the race was one of the hardest that ever was, you know, the the finishing percentage for that first race is in the thirties, 30% or something like that. And that's a field made up of, as I said, the best ultra runners in the world. Mm. And just to make up the numbers, they sprinkled in a few, like, um, uh, I think they were Marines or Paras. Just to make up the numbers, because they were not They were they had to bring in the army to organise the thing. So, um, it's so nice. it was
0: an international run, running journalist that they brought in then, for uh, <laughs>
3: <laughs> blagging their way in. It was proper runners. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No fat Harry Welshman. No, no. <laughs> for me, doesn't deserve to be there. But um, that was the first race, and then after that, for twenty years, nothing. It 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 it, it went quiet. And, and then that almost made it worse. You know, it started building even more. People thought, this is the hard, this hardest race ever. It's never going to come back. Why it was almost, that, do you think? Oh, God knows. What do you reckon? So you maybe the
0: sponsor pulled out or insurance or maybe the guy just, maybe had a breakdown, the guy organizing it, something with that much pressure.
3: I reckon all of those could be true because, A, the sponsor didn't come back. Uh, B uh, the guy organised it he didn't organise the next one and uh, and yeah I, I don't know it could well be down to the, the how hard it was to organise Because you imagine the logistical nightmare that would be to especially to do it for the first time it would be probably scare someone it? Mm. But, um, I don't know it took 20 years for the next one to run and then in 2012 next one came along and uh, it's been going every two or three years since then and um so it's not every year they intentionally space
0: it out so that you can, uh, well, for, for whatever reason.
3: Yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't know why. I, I reckon you'd run out of runners wouldn't you, mm. that would be willing to do or, or to give it a crack. Um, and I think it, it, it adds something to it, doesn't it? Like mm. it? It makes it a little bit more unachievable, if anything.
2: Just... Just to be just to be clear, then, so it's it's five days and 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 it's got cutoffs. How does that work? Does that does that mean that um, all the runners run a set route for 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 the first day, or does that mean it's left up to you as to how long you take? Uh, you know, um, wh- you know whether you start doing it, or you all have to start at the same time. How how does that work exactly? Is it like a multi-day race, or is it like a continuous race? But you are um, you're you're pacing yourself on it.
3: Oh, yeah, multi-day race. So you um, there's a start and finish point every day. Yeah, the set route. you have got checkpoints that you've got to hit, and one of those checkpoints will be a cutoff point. And if you don't hit that um, by a certain time, it'll it'll show you on the map. You know, you, you're given a, a, a route map um, with the checkpoints on. Then if you don't hit it by a certain time, then you're out of the race. And
2: how, and, uh, how, how punchy is that, is oh, that cutoff? It's
3: hard it's hard i was racing against that cross so many times during the five days it the guy on the second day the year i did it is actually on the film mm. um, you can see, you can see the guy who was he was fourth overall He's you know an amazing runner literally he actually looks like like a runner you know <laughs> uh, he's got long legs he's got like a, a stubble he looks like a mountain runner i <laughs> think and and he he got in a minute late to to the centre to the like midday checkpoint and they cut him off and he's literally there's n- there's no budging with the rules mm. and and he started crying uh, after he got kicked out which you, you can see why you know it's mm. you got to sacrifice so much to get to that start line it's a, it'd be an absolute bugger if that happened because yeah. can't you can you start when you want you can. So it's, it, you've, got, you've got a window, basically. So from 6 till 9 in the morning, you can start. And then you've got to finish by 11. And the rest of it is there's only one checkpoint. out There's about 20 checkpoints throughout the, the day, between, between 15 to 20. And one of those will be a cutoff midway. So if you don't make that one, then uh, you're out. And if you don't make the 11 o'clock at night, you're out. And, and they are strict, you know, they, they're quite hard. They're quite hard to me, especially towards the latter part of the week, because one thing, this is one thing I learned, because I, I went into it as a novice, like, for this kind of event. One day was fine, you know, loved that. I'm used to running one day, two days even. But then I was just unfamiliar with the fatigue that builds up in your legs. It just smashes you, you know, especially if you're, if you're carrying a bit of excess timber, which I am. I don't know why I whispered that. Like it's some secret. <laughs> don't worry, no one will hear that on this podcast. Don't tell anyone. Don't. You, you, not not that much, but for a, an ultra, and you know, there's carrying too much of it, and then there's too much for an ultra, runner and it, you know, it, it it tell, especially the downhills. If you go fast downhill on on these sticks, you you're talking there's three thousand meters plus ascent and descent every day, so. That's day after day. Of what that happened, what what happens to me was I got shin splints. You know, just all that is energy, innit? Yeah. Mg sintita. Yeah. The energy pulling you down. Just it, all of it is going through your shins, through your your, your joints, through your knees, and it just breaks you. Where it did with me anyway. And and it, after three days, uh, I I was really thought I wasn't going to finish. And it was just I was crawling by the end. You know, it's just a, a, a nasty site arriving 5 days later down than Sandilo but, um yeah
2: and how navig- how sort of navigable it? How, i mean is it is, is the route pretty clear is it pretty sort of well known um you know if you were say as a or do you have to be like quite technically good at navigation right so yeah
3: yeah if you want to nowadays with the other, with GPS you know you can get away with it, can't you? You can get away with anything, really, because yeah. the battery life of a GPS now has got—you know—it can last for the whole week with a battery pack, can it? If you put it in a low setting, but if you want to do it the fastest route, you need to know a map. If you want to be safe out there, you need to be able to navigate. You know, um, and and some of the paths are not well known. You know, you got some Snowden. Yeah.
1: Most,
3: most people who will will attempt this, you know they have done the fifteen peaks in Snowdonia, yeah, you know. It's pretty much following that route, which is on paths mostly, um, or a well known trods, you know, and they might be not going be official paths, but you'll know know the kind of route. But then day two, you go into the Rinockid. Now the Rinockid, they're they're just nasty, nasty little bastards. They're just like not as <laughs> you know. But they, they, they're just sort of rugged. There's no path at all to follow, and it's just um, every step is a battle. So, so you, you end up, you 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 have your pace to what you think you would do on a mountain, even uh, through this stuff. And then you spend extra more time naving if you have if you don't know the route or if you're unsure of your navigation. So I reckon navigation is massive, especially if the weather turns or if, you're, wanna do, if you want to do well, because the, the, the guy who was leading, Jim Mann, um, he, was, he, was, he was floating over the big mountains up in Snowdonia, but, and he had about an hour lead going into the second, third day. He had an hour lead, and then he, he just took a detour. He took a detour. He just took a wrong bearing or something. He went off, um, and um, he lost 45 minutes there. And eventually lost the race because of that
2: little detour. Wow! And, oh, that, and, was right. of, and that was because—and that was what—that was because of the weather, or just lack of concentration, or
3: a bit, a bit of both. Like um, because it was foggy, um, but I've, I, I think what it was, right? He—he—he—he he, he, he he won the previous one, in uh, yeah. 2015, right? So he knew where all the checkpoints, were, and I think he'd wrecked the route based on where they used to be. Now, what I think he did, and this is completely like the most beneficial thing you'll ever hear, but I think what he did was go to where the checkpoint used to be in 2015 and didn't look at the map and then got to the, where the checkpoint should have been, realised it wasn't there, and then went, bugger. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, this this story is told by his like GPS tracker and you just like see it and it's like how demoralizing it'd be you just has to run all the way back up that mountain to get to the ridge to go oh, oh no. it's just it got in the balls that one. Oh my god, yeah. So eventually lost because of that, which is which is nuts because he, he was he was amazing. flop flop over the rough terrain up in North Wales, he was amazing. He was like watching him go, was he was gliding over the stuff and yeah, uh but just because so I think navigation is probably the most important aspect of this race, you know, and as well, it gives you, like, in the fell fel runners, I've come to realise that you, you can't brag about running faster. That's just, it's, it's not right. But if you pick a good line, you nail a good line, that's all right. Yeah, that's the way you, you, can, that, that's where you can brag. <laughs> good line you can shout about that that's 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 acceptable that's the only way to win yes yeah. so david have you have done a few of these long ones haven't you have you, have you thought of doing this one
0: no i've um i mean i've 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 only heard of it relatively recently and it sounded it's it's, it's all the way people talk about it is a such a higher level than things like math and stabler i mean that's the only one i've actually done that's multi day But it sounds as if that's a walk in the park because you're already adding at least 15 miles every day. But then it's also the fact that it's the ascent and the terrain is so much harder because the the, the MDS, you've got the heat, which can be tough. But you can train, you can prepare for that. And then it, it doesn't matter. But, yeah, the weather in Wales and also the hills. And just seeing the video of you coming down on, I think, the second day, as you mentioned, it was unrunnable. And as you say, if you tried to run it, you'd completely shred your legs. And I just don't know how you can prepare for something like that. Did you go out and recce the course then quite a bit?
3: I did a couple of these. Yeah, one or two. Um, But I didn't have time really, you know, because I signed up maybe five months beforehand. And I was, you know, I was talking about an OCR. How it happened was I was training for... Um an OCR when I got into this race, which was like um, a Spartan, my first mm. one ever. Where was it? In uh Nottingham, Spartan, like a sprint, Spartan sprint, mm. um, somewhere in Nottingham. And then um, so I was deep in training for that. I was trying to do well and out and trying to get into the world championship uh for some silly reason. Uh and so I was in the middle of completely different training. Um so I didn't really have much time to transition from um like a five k obstacle course race to uh the dragon's back and is um, that the normal sign up period five months out um no i th- I, th- I think people aim for this one from quite a long way out from what i from what I gathered like from speaking to people and stuff um people will do it from uh from scratch though um mm. i yeah like, like I I spoke to one guy this was a love trails actually completely out of the blue just like we were talking about it after showing it um we were just having a, a chat in front of the audience and the, and this guy had done it in it, uh, the the dragons back and then I asked and I asked him I was intrigued about about his training and he just said oh yeah I, the first the longest race I'd done before this was a half marathon um and then all I did was six months out I ran 15k before work, and 15K after work, every day for six months. And that was it. Wow. Yeah.
0: Which, I, I mean, that's 11th. He came 11th? 11th. So he, I mean, he must have been, was he someone who was a very fast, short, shorter distance runner?
3: I don't think so, you know. I, th- I, th- I think, but he it, it was, it was, was in very good shape mm. and we're, we're, since then, he's been he's just attempted the Bob Graham as well. Um, but um, but I don't know, I, th- I think it's just um, it's a different kind of fitness I think you need for the dragon's back. And, and how many
0: miles a week were you training then going into it? Um,
3: me maybe 30 somewhere, like less a bit like, but I uh, less than 30. 30. At, at the at the most, but then I do the odd. I did two big runs. I I did Recky the second day, which is uh, the the hard one. You know the, the one I was talking about with, with the nav mm. and uh, and wrecked the first day as well. Um, but
0: and in terms I, of I, kit preparations, things like that. because I you
3: don't have to carry your kit with you, do you? You, you have to carry your day kit so you, you okay. you've got one they they'll carry all the all the other stuff. You've got to be self self sufficient on the mountain. Um and it's it's that is almost part of the biggest challenge is that, you know, getting ready for um the admin. That that's the biggest shock. Because you're getting off the mountain, right? So you've been there. Me, I've been there on the mountain for about over ten hours. I crawl into the tent and then I just have, you've got to get off your feet. So I'm like this, this dying fly on my back, sort of trying to scoop things out of my cause they'll they, on my bit out of my bag with all the kitchen. Because that's what they do. They'll just dump this bag um in your tent. There you go, sort that out, and you've got to pump up your Lilo, you've got to do all that. Pack your bag for the next day. You've got to constantly eat. You're, you eat until you're sick of the, the whole thing, the sight, smell, and you and just, yeah, you just got, but you've got to force feed yourself. And it's doing this constantly. And then you, you've got to pack your day bag for the next day. You've got to pack your drop off. You've got to bust your blisters. You've got to strap your blisters. You've got to um, talcum powder your feet. You've got
0: to, I don't know, you know,
3: all this stuff and is all your food
0: um do you have to prepare that all yourself or are there in the tenting area are there facilities as well
3: i the they'll cook your evening meal and your breakfast but then you've got to sort out um mountain food on your own and mm-hmm. uh, that's quite good
2: and what in are the second. aid stations like what sort of cakes are available at these what are the yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, bad chance no
3: zero <laughs> i always yeah, say you get water uh, and that's about it. So <laughs> amazing! Um, oh, yeah. And I think well, they quite like that sort of that they 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 just you know it's you against the mountain. They're not helping you. They won't hinder you. That they, they, you know, like, but they'll they'll um. That's one of the reasons I think it is the, the finishing stats for this are still quite low because mm. and like. A lot of races out there, they kind of want you to finish, don't they? They'll, they um, for instance, feed stations and stuff like that, and things. You know, this is just it just a test of you against uh, the mountain, pretty much. With it's a race, it's
2: race management, isn't it? It's yeah, you know, especially on a on a, a five day multi day race. It's it's all about. It's not just about the endurance and all the challenges that. It's 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 the management of of you know your own mental state while you're doing it. The management of of your kit as well, um, and how effectively, it and it's your ability to adapt when you know when, when things change and being able to you know uh, reflect that in how you how you then manage your, your everything going forward. Um, and over a five day yeah. period, you know, like you say, things like your mental state changes and the tiredness kicks in, and you know things happen to your body that if you've never done a multi day before, you don't realise that you know that how you're going to feel or, or, or how different things feel.
3: Yeah, I, I, absolutely. It's your ability to not be a knob and run too fast at the start. <laughs> mm. it's, 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 it's off into the ground, and uh, and you get your shin falling off halfway through. You know? And the fact that you can, the fact
0: that you can bring pretty much anything you want. Do they restrict how much kit you can actually have in the
3: campsite? Yeah, yeah. You've got one bag. Um, it's, it's, the, the, it's in litres. I think it's like 69 litres, which is hard. You've got 69 litres. And I thought, oh, that sounds massive, but it's not. It's have it's mm. to fit everything in. And most of the stuff I brought were absolutely pointless. <laughs> I brought like, oh, it's oh, just like, oh, a nice photo frame of the miss You know, <laughs> I, just like, and what, and the most the, the stupid thing I did, I, I brought trainers that were like another pair of running trainers i didn't bring any spare like um night trainers or nothing. and my feet if well my most people's feet swell up and i wasn't mm-hmm. told this i didn't know um and i after after a day two days i just could not get into my trainers and and, and the only reason I could keep on running because I'd strap my feet, and the medics told me, "Don't take this bandit. The bandages off now, or you know, like the strapping, or your feet will just like balloon, and you'll get cankles, and you you won't get back in." <laughs> so I, I was going around barefoot at night. So one tip is take like sandals or you know or I don't know Crocs or something like that. Because
0: what whatever up whatever things would you substitute if you did it all again? Like what did you learn? What went right? What went wrong? What would you change?
3: All right, the speed, hundred uh, percent. What, what you've got. Uh, if you've not done this st- stuff before, take the two first days as um, g- g- walking pace almost. Do enough. Leave six am. Right at the start, and just do enough to, to get within the time uh, constraints. Then, if you've got juice or legs left after day three, then start putting them down. Putting putting that energy down, and then not before then because I, I was just a knob after, you know, first day. I was just, I just went for it. Just, it's quite hard because, mm. you, you know, you've got all that pent up energy. I mean, I'm sure you're the same when you did Marathon de Sabes. Did, did you have to have a, did you sit, did you do a tapering or something keen like that, like sit down for a bit beforehand?
0: Um, I mean, it certainly cut back the miles for two weeks coming into it. But the, the trouble is, as you say, you know, even if you start a marathon, you start that too quickly let alone something like an ultra race and it's so hard to actually know when you're doing hills and you see people around you and you're carrying a backpack what is a sensible pace for five days i mean i I don't think you can even estimate that unless you've done it before because you you don't even know you, you don't really know if you're going to be good at that or not based on previous experience and so yeah as you say you've just got to be conservative because the other way around is far worse. Yeah. And in, ten- in terms of your kit choices then were there was there any kit or any food that worked well or food that didn't or or lessons that that really were learned the hard way.
3: Well w- with food I have not got much to compare it to really because I've always been bacon sandwich cheese sandwich <laughs> that's it be, either my races have been short enough to do without zero food. you know like a sprint triathlon it's only an mm. hour and a half so i just don't take anything on not even water in one of those and it'd be all right you can get away with an hour and a half anything over that i have not been like competing so i've only just been doing it to complete it so i just like chow into stuff that i like but um this was an eye-opener in, in that regard you've got to your nutrition properly on this because it's just as much as of a cha- challenge for your stomach as it is for your legs almost because um, it's hard to take it in isn't it on the move yeah. my, my, jaw, oh, and, and I, my jaw sit yeah
0: I trained your stomach for it then say again How do, you tra- do you feel you
3: trained your stomach going into it for that um, n- yes I did yeah I spoke to uh, quite a few I, I spoke to um, Science, in, because I was writing an article on it, so I thought, right, I better get keyed up. So I spoke to the, the head, lead nutritionist for science in sport, Ted months <laughs> Yeah, bit of a chief. He's like, he, he tells Team Sky what to do. So it's good enough for Bradley Wiggins. and. I'll take it. <laughs> so uh,
1: there's
3: lots of inhalers then. Oh, <laughs> yeah, pick up asthma pretty quick. Dude. All right. We do, pink inhaler, apparently. Uh, no, I don't know. Um, uh, but but it was it was just stuff you don't have to chew. Stuff that's wet. If, if it's soggy, then it's good. And and keep, keep you know keep your sandwiches if you're going to make them. And I did. I, I didn't step away from a cheese sandwich, but I used to keep them right next to my, like you know right close to your skin. Keep them in your boxes. No, don't do that. No, <laughs> I didn't do that. <laughs> You know, so they so they keep them warm and 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 they're just easy to take in. That's the che- main thing. He right? actually
0: makes cheese sandwiches every night.
3: Yeah, you should have seen the looks I was getting in the tent. Like all these fifteen <laughs> about. <laughs> I even had a pot of hollandaise sauce and and I was there with a knife, hollandaise sauce. I had pickle and a block of block of cheese and I was just making <laughs> sandwiches, wrapping them up and uh, yeah. Oh, what did the,
0: the, what did the um, Ted or whoever you mentioned from CIS think of that, or did you keep that quiet from him?
3: <laughs> I did mention it, and he, and he said, well, whatever floats you boat, mate, um, but make sure you get enough electrolytes and inhalers, in. no, no, just electrolytes. Yeah. <laughs> and so on top of that,
0: then, were you mainly using bars, gels, nuts, natural food?
3: Um, yeah, yeah, big fan of of nuts, nuts and fruit. Um, and I did found find the I did have Cis energy uh, gels, and because I usually find them too sickly, energy gels, and they're just like horrible inventions, aren't they? But they're necessary in this thing. And uh, the Cis ones were like they're almost like uh, a fruit juice, so they're not too sweet. They're quite watered down, which is handy on this race because. You, you, you don't know if you're going to hit hit some water on route because you mm. can't carry all water all day and you might come across some dodgy stuff that might have a sheep floating in it so mm. not sure when you're going to get topped up so the, the cis ones are good because you don't need you don't need water with them but most of the others you need to take in water as well or um, they don't work or something and were, were you taking out of streams at the times then uh, yeah, yeah, by the end. You see, all the old chiefs. I was running with this guy, Joe Faulkner, for a half a day, and he's the only guy to complete all four Dragon's Back, Dragonback races. Oh, amazing. Oh, he, I just, you know, just running in his presence, you just learn so much. Just like, I, I just talked to him quite a bit as well, but hell of a chief. And he's drinking, he's been drinking out of streams all his life. His pace, the way he ran, you just saw that there was no springing, you know, like, because I I was like naive little, Mm. uh, I don't know, we think of it like um, just bouncing all over the place in that first couple of days. And I just realized looking back after, especially after running with Joe for a bit, you you just see, it's just wasted energy. You've just got to minimize any power movement that you do on the mountain. Zero, you know, no jumping over rocks. You just sort of float around, um, Nothing was like it, that. And like was he, he shuffling then? Kind of. Yeah, yeah. The old man turtle shuffle. Kind of, you know, just cruise along um, and just move as little as you can. just um, oh, interesting. Yeah, he was, it's just a hell of a chief. And he had poles. I didn't have poles. I don't mean Polish people, you know, like. <laughs> you know, he I had mean, two Polish people carrying his bag for him. Yeah, <laughs> that, <that's> his, <laughs> he was pushing him along. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I mean, I think something like it sounds like poles would
3: be an absolute requirement of that ascent oh. and descent. Well, that just shows how naive and sort of how much of a knob I was going into it. That I just didn't even think to bring any, and uh, but I needed them by the end. And luckily enough, that some people had dropped out, and uh, I picked up some two different ones from the, the recycle bin there, the lost and found, which is
1: <laughs>
3: necessary. Yeah. Um,
0: how would you compare it then to other challenges you've done? I mean, it, was it the hardest thing? Do
3: you, know, do you know what? I think you would find it... Um, or Jodie, you, you know, both of both of you are runners, aren't you? I, re- I reckon you'd find it easier than I did. Mm. Um, whereas, you know, like Ultimate Hell Week, mm. that was more my cup of tea, you know? It tested everything mm. rather than... This one was just running, <laughs> just just non-stop and and rough terrain. I quite like rough terrain and and navigation. You know, I I go out in the hills in winter and stuff. That was no problems for me. Yeah. It was the, oh, the the ascent and descent absolutely nailed me in this one. So without a doubt, this is the hardest thing I've ever done like quite a bit as well. Because, um, uh, but again. That's just such a personal question, isn't it? You know, it suits yeah. races, different things suit different people, doesn't it? Um, and actually, a lot of it comes down to
0: preparation as well, because it doesn't matter how good a runner you are, if you haven't trained or don't have necessarily the knowledge of what kit or how to race something, then it can very quickly become incredibly hard.
3: Yeah, you make it hard for yourself, don't you? And that's what I did, kind of, in this. But I, I don't, no one finishes this thing without an injury, you know? um some people get get through it amazingly well but they, they're like like the, the feet that the um the the wait minute. trench foot no no i got trench foot but um the the leading female both leading females were did something crazy the week after um I I, I say Sabrina Vargi. She did an unsupported Bob Graham the week after. After finishing, she got second, narrowly missed the the win. Whoa! Which is yeah, which is crazy. So there are some phenomenal athletes out there that can do. But most people finish this thing broken. You you know, even some of the lead guys. Mm. Um, I I, I think Marcus Scotney, the one who won. He was in trouble for a bit after it. Um, Jez Bragg, one of the guys I was sharing a tent with, he was out for a bit. Um, Yeah, just another guy I was sharing a tent with, he got a stress fracture. Uh, Ed, hell of a guy. Um, And in in terms of where it kind of leads you now, with your, you mentioned you hadn't
0: done a race like it. Is this something that now appeals in the future or have
3: you ticked a box and you're, you're happy to move on? Um, yeah, tick the box, but I'm game to do different things like this because it was a hell of a way to see Wales. You know, for I've mm. grown up in Snowdonia, but that race just opened my eyes to my own country pretty much. It, it was, for, for that sole reason, it's worth it. You know, even if you do two, one day, two days of this thing, it's just, it's an eye-opener. It's crazy. It's like, yeah, even if you've been up the mountains, this takes you off the beaten path. And you're just in the thick of it, in the middle of uh, of, of, the, of the country, and in the middle of the mountains, and at, at times and in places where you'd never be without it. Like, um, So I would definitely do more of these, but maybe, no, 100%, not the dragon's back again. <laughs> 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 but um, yeah, I mean, I'm, after this, the, the film that went out here, I, I'm mm. trying, um, trying to get him to take me elsewhere now so I'd love to oh there's so many races out there aren't there you know uh, and what I mean what would you put as top of your bucket list oh there's um there's an ultra you know you know is it the Wadi Rum ultra oh, you yeah know that one? yeah that that one um the people who are organising that are organising one in Sri Lanka next year um is that Sam, my former tent mate? Maybe. possibly. yeah, yeah, possibly. And and there's monkeys there and curry, because it's like close to India. <laughs> and, 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 and you can have curry sandwiches. Oh, yeah. I'll I will i will take my cheese and holland dates, you know. See what they make of that. <laughs> when I'm sitting there on the breakfast table, wrapping my butties, yeah. Um, so there's that one, and then um there's there's one in japan there's one around mount fuji uh i a three days, similar similar format mm. but they run a circular route around mount fuji and i japanese people are just brilliant and they are just yeah. so much fun they're just hilarious they're just like they're just so happy with everything and just like know. know. yeah they they're, they're good crack. Yeah.
0: I agree. As well. I think so many people are, you know, people are now drawn towards UTMB, OCC, CCC, because it's supposedly the poster boy of trail running, or they're doing a lot of the ventures that they hear about that are on the doorstep. But I think if you're going to do an epic race, you might as well do it in somewhere with epic scenery where you're going to have a cultural clash and you can fully enjoy the country afterwards as well. Because if you're going to spend all that money, Put all that training into it you might as well make a proper holiday of it so career you completely japan sri lanka yeah absolutely um that's that'd be my only thing about the dragon's back i'd almost feel a bit wasteful of of the amount of training i'd have to do going into it to then just nip over to wales to do it Eat that's the well.
2: worst excuse i've ever heard for not doing it. <laughs> it's too close too close, too close. No, too close. I've got it's got to be it's got to be at least you know the Andes or something like that for yeah, me to think absolutely. about it. Listen to you, absolutely. But, and I reckon, I reckon it's that finishing stat. I
3: reckon of the Dragons' back. He's got that, that low percentage. Is, like, you've you got to see that as a challenge, David. Yeah. Oh yeah.
2: So, that's that sort of that's, that's Spartathlon um, level um, uh, finishers rate thirty percent. That is that is ridiculous um ridiculously low it is
3: and and the it's it's out of the people who do it as well because the people around me there was there weren't many like people like me you know like mm-hmm. you could tell i stuck out like a sore thumb amongst some of these you know not all of them like um but most of them are you know they're ten stone they they, they've done this for a long time you can see it in them they're mountain goats you know and but it's it's still small enough profile
0: that you only really know it if you're an ultra runner
3: yeah yeah it's what. yeah i agree with that one yeah it's uh um not not like utmb utmb is is, is a bit it's, it's on its own out there isn't it it's uh yeah 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 yeah, yeah
0: absolutely um so where are we going to be seeing you next then is you, you now planning to then become a, a running journalist you think or a challenge It's <laughs> what draws you in or you just love the taste of freebie i mean we all love that flavor
1: i've got to agree <laughs> it's lovely isn't
3: it it's uh no what well, I'm, I'm an engineer that's it pure and simple I, this stuff is just i do it because i like it that's it a lot of people have asked me my mates from back home you know that people I grew up with in the rugby team, and I've they, they just put up a website and they look at that and they just laugh their faces off. Them. What the hell are you doing? And, and all I want to do is do more races. That's it. Uh, mm. and, and use it because it's quite a good ticket. As you say, you know, like the freebie thing. Um, and not just that, but it, it, it allows you, it let, lets you do these races because they are, incredibly expensive and time consuming to um if you want to do them. but what it does it forces you to do them as well mm. and also forces you to finish because maybe you know if i wasn't writing an article on the dragon's bag or didn't have a tv camera in my face I, it I might well have called a taxi, you know, you know what I mean?
1: It's, uh, it's, a bit, it's a
0: bit sensitive, isn't it? And, yeah, well, I mean, you haven't mentioned that. Did that dramatically change the experience?
3: It did. It added. Right, okay, so this is – it's quite a stressful thing in itself, you know, that... just to, to attempt something like that, like the dragon's back. But then the, the, the business with the media, one thing I really don't like is, one – Self-promotion, you know, beforehand, Mm. you've got to put it out there. You're putting your, you're making it. you have to. The very, the the definition of writing about it and generating media coverage is how is how you get in, isn't it, to these things? Mm. But then, by doing that, you're putting extra pressure on yourself. And here, I, I had this camera in my face, and I was. Very aware that I was doing the hardest thing I've ever done by a mile. And most, most, I was setting myself up probably not to finish this thing. And I just, I don't, I don't like not finishing, you know, like everyone, you know, I'm, I just don't like failing at something. And, and I haven't really stopped. I haven't said, no, I'm not carrying on in anything Mm. I've done. But then here I was probably not going to finish this thing and I set it up in the knob that I am to have a camera right in my face catching this moment where I was crying on the side of a mountain and it just made you think what the why the hell have I just done this and it does make you question your your wisdom sometimes but just um yeah (laughs) it's not all it's not all rosy i bet you've had it as well haven't you yeah Yeah.
0: well not really no because i think there's a huge difference between writing articles afterwards and um having to well to to be what when you're in the moment where you're actually trying to concentrate on a race having to also engage with a media partner because that splits your focus. It changes who, how you think. Um, it changes how you act. And that is, I assume,
3: very hard in such a stressful situation. Well, well the, the, the thing with how you act, I think that, that was out of the question because that didn't really come into it because you're so tired, mm. so out of it. You, you just you haven't got any energy to think about anything except the next step that one step that's it and then everything else it's it's as though you're almost like drunk for the for the whole period you know Mm. some of the stuff i said 10 12 hours into a day i don't remember saying almost you know Mm. and it it's it's like um because it's almost like a gateway into someone's head isn't it like exercise getting them to do extreme exercise where they get to the point where their brain is just like mush and and you 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 get to see right in to that to see that person who that person is and so being yourself is almost not hard because it's easier than it is in normal life so if mm. you're energy and you've got time to worry about what you're going to say and stuff it's it's, it's quite tough isn't it or you've got to think about it whereas that is just e- it, that, that's the easiest bit of it but knowing that it's there and also having to take the time out when everyone else is preparing their kit and stuff you know having to speak to a, a, a camera crew is you know you you do think like well there they arm i'm I'm reducing, you do reduce your chances of finishing by quite a bit because it's a good fair chunk of time and an energy that goes out of your day. Yeah.
0: And did you get a sense that they had a narrative that they'd chosen for you that they wanted you to fall into almost?
3: No. not that. Right. You talk, right. You know, remember the BBC? What did you get? Can I swap a question here? <laughs> Did you think the BBC, you know, going back to Ultimate Hell Week, David, did you think the BBC did that with Ultimate Hell Week?
0: No, I mean, I don't think they did, actually. I think they did for Miller.
3: I think they wanted to have a strong woman on the show, which is
0: why she was uh, chosen as leader for the first episode. Um, no, I think, I think actually, um, if anything, and maybe it's me by being naive, but having spoken to a few of the team who, who, who weren't Dante, essentially, it's, are they... I think they then had to create a narrative to my leaving once I'd been kicked out because, um, because just because it happens from nowhere, um, well, supposedly. But, um, the I mean, what I was interested at more is whether you think the, the camera crew because they were following five of you for one of the documentaries, the other documentary was just you, and whether therefore they need you to finish or if they. If, if in their questioning, they're leading you to try and be um, emotional or trying to stress how hard it is or almost becoming a negative drain on you because it makes
3: better television. Right. Um, it's quite an easy answer to that one is no, because the, the guy who was filming that was my mate. He was a scrum half when I was flanked, growing up, now we were in the same rugby team. He, oh, he's, amazing! Yeah, he's he's um, he's a good friend of mine, and I knew that no nothing like that would come into it because I was qu- quite conscious. And I, I, as you said, you know, the BBC with bigger productions, maybe you know they want they want one thing, and that is um, viewing figures, isn't it? But with this, with who he's called who as well, two who's um with whoever him, the guy who was filming it i knew that I wouldn't come into it but i know he, he he's a consumer professional he's like a perfectionist and he knows his his art if you like he and and he's done a lot of like um, adventure shows so he just knows when to ask a question to get a good response he that you don't need to add any drama to the dragon's back i don't think because it's yeah. it, shit will happen. Oh my god, you would not believe the stuff that that went on that didn't get caught that, that wasn't caught on camera because there's no camera about. It was just tell us, tell us. Oh just a lot of it like tent banter and just people um, falling. Some of the falls I saw was just brilliant. You know, if I had energy, I'd I'd have been there laughing at them and <laughs> obviously, but and just like. And, and stories that I wasn't part of. You know, I was mm-hmm. part of one particular small part of the Dragon's Back race, like one tent. And in that one tent, all that stuff happened. You had Ed, who was the absolute chief, like this ex-paramilitary. No, wait a minute. It'll kill me for getting this wrong. He's not in the army. He was a Marine. That's it. Yeah, he's, he's not in the army. He's a Marine, ex-Marine. And he helped me on the second day or something he was just like you could tell right straight away he, he, this guy was ex-military he was just full of banter and, mm. and really wanted to sort everyone out so he went to get water for us and you know he's just been a chief and then a day later it came out that when he was doing all this he, he had a bad injury he had a stress factor He was broken his leg and he was carrying on and then after, after towards the end of the third day, so we almost completed four days like that. He had to drop out,
1: uh, and
3: uh, you know, and we'd become fast friends by then. Because when you, you know, when you, all's deep in a in a in a nasty challenge like this, when he's in the you know you know similar to Ultimate Hell Week, you become fast friends, don't you? Mm-hmm. It, it happens quick, and uh, and, and then. It's quite and because also because of that you haven't got that energy to hold anything back. All the emotions and stuff are right at the forefront.
2: Well, um, any other questions, JD? For uh, for here, too so yeah, 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 I've got I've got I've got an appropriate question to, to round this off. When. what is Cumbrian wrestling?
3: <laughs> <laughs> I I have no idea. It's, uh, <laughs> It's very similar to speed dating, I reckon, but what they used to do back up, up here back in the day, yeah, just re- men wrestling around the muddy field. <laughs> <laughs> I discovered this by accident yeah, last year <laughs> in the Lowers Water Fair. It's brilliant. Is this something you've done here? Oh, last year in the Lowers Water Fair, I'd gone there for a when, when They're nasty, brilliant little felrons. You know, I like was talking about 4K. And all of it vertical, pretty much. So you're just up, down, no path. And <laughs> it's just brutal. So you end up, I was on all fours at the finishing this thing. Um, and then heard someone in the audience saying, oh, the, the, the wrestling's about to start. Come on, Mara, because that's what I speak. Mara means mate up here in Cumbria. Yeah, go on, Mara. Wrestling's about to start. So oh, off they went. And then, oh, my ears pricked up. Went over to have a look. And you could still sign up. So I signed up. And then just got chucked about the field by some burly farmers. Like, <laughs> it was still in my running kit, it was just I've, I've got a few video clips. They're quite embarrassing, but um, yeah, I got smashed. My my only victory, I did nail one, and and it was like it turns out later he was fifteen. <laughs>
2: <laughs> every so no every victory, on, every victory counts.
3: You're the yeah. great pig that they were chasing around the field, were you? <laughs> Yeah, that's about it. But give it a go, I reckon. Uh, you, you're done with OCR. Then, uh, Dave, uh, that could be your next one. Well, I think it's more OCRs done with me. Um, just in terms of my
0: ability, it's it's moved on very much since, uh, from, from people like myself who are runners. It's something that I think you'd enjoy, actually. You should definitely look into it. I don't know whether it's going to have the challenges out there for you. That's the only thing. There are some that have 24-hour OCRs, I think you'd probably need to head into that to actually get the kind of challenge that you'd really um, thrive in, but it's 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 sadly consolidating as a market, but there's certainly as you say Spartans tough butter uh, there are still are some big events out there that you can really aim to get it to
3: a very good standard in so do you, do you reckon because i spoke you, you know when I was, I was doing an article on on, on um, OCR when I tried to get into it and yeah. spoke to the um, who who who's the founder of Spartan? Um, oh, that is uh, oh god, what's his like, name? Um, let's should we say should we right, make someone a Lenny Henry. Lenny. Oh, I I should know Jay Desena, I think. Yeah, Jay Jada yeah, not Lenny Henry. <laughs> Lenny Henry. <laughs> Not Lenny Henry, he's different. Joe the Senna, Joe the Senna, that's it. And he said, um, I asked him if he was going to be in the Olympics one day, and he was adamant he was going to be. Do you reckon it's got a uh, zero life, chance. Uh, No chance. Zero of being
0: no in chance. The Olympics. <laughs> and actually, I, I think even it's always quite strange that Spartan have been the, the. I don't know if it's just a PR exercise, but it doesn't make any sense for them to try and push it to be in the Olympics, because as soon as it's an Olympic labelled sport, then anyone can essentially put on that race. There will never be an Ironman in the Olympics because Ironman's a brand that don't want people to be able to just say, this is the format, this is now what we call it. And so as Spartan were pushing for that, they'd suddenly lose their um, ability to label it as a Spartan race. It would just become an Olympic OCR, at which point anyone could put on an Olympic OCR. Um, But also... (laughs)
3: Okay, that's the only time. That's the only. That's when it becomes a legitimate sport. I think when you can actually measure it against, you know, Iron Man is just a money making spin, isn't it? It's just. Yeah. yeah, and I mean, you you need the legitimacy.
0: For example, of windsurfing, which is now in the Olympics, I believe. And uh, there's what's the the weirdest one in there? I'm trying to remember, there was one in Spain where they you throw a ball against the wall. So there are some sports I think get into the Olympics without necessarily having quite the credibility, but it's, it's still pretty big and it is growing in some areas. And if you look at toughest, that's a race where it's so challenging and you should look at entering those. The, the standard, the level of uh, competition is so high, um, but I, I think in the UK, we just don't have any really competitive races anymore, sadly.
3: Yeah, it was quite hard to 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 find out if... A, when I was looking into doing one, obviously, I've only ever done one, it was quite hard to find that, which ones were competitive and which ones were just for, like, um, you know, help your mates get over the wall sort of thing. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's what it is, isn't it? Uh, well, I love listening back to you, some of your podcasts, by, by the way. I listened for like maybe 10 minutes and um, some of the 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 topics covered... Ranged from Bob Graham, OCR death came afterwards for quite a considerable amount of time. <laughs> well, these are the, impo-
0: the important topics of our generation. So, uh... absolutely, yeah.
3: <laughs> a bit Whoa. of that sprinkled in there. You know, how do you, how do you start off a podcast list like this? Do you just like what could be the worst thing to include in a conversation about OCR?
0: Pretty Death. much. I mean well, did it well. An hour. This, was, uh, this was better be about the drag's back. So it's a,
3: a typical podcast in many ways.
0: But um well before we meander too far off the beaten track, thanks for coming on and, and sharing a few of your many tales. Um if if people want to, to see the documentary or if they want to follow your future endeavours, what's the best way for them to do that?
3: Uh, that'd be the website. So if you go on to Brassington.co um all the information's up there, and then um, the the films themselves that they're gonna be in um, Kendall Mountain Festival, and they're gonna be in Champ. Mm. They're definitely gonna be in Champ. so Sheffield Mountain Film Festival um, this year. And uh, uh, but sadly, it's just expired off BBGI Play. It was there for
2: until like five days ago. So. Uh, tough shit with that. <laughs> <laughs> well that's gonna be that's gonna be what three weeks and five days ago now, so <laughs> yeah, yeah, probably. Yeah. That's it. Um, but but yeah, it'll
3: just put you off to the Dragons back race anyway. Watch watch the watch the official Burghouse one and that'll put you in a nice mood to to give it a crack. where if you watch mine, <laughs> you'll wanna hide behind the sofa and and burn your running boots, I reckon.
0: Uh, <laughs> Well, I, I think there'll be a few listeners who are actually will be up for it after There's People like Richard Palmer, Lee Stuart Evans, from, uh, from your stories. And if they see that video, they'll be signing up pretty quickly. But um,
3: thank you so oh, much God. for coming. Oh, second. Because it is a hell, it's a hell of a race, a hell of a way to see Wales. And uh, it's, um, yeah, I think it should be on every runner's bucket list. No matter what <laughs> level, no matter. Yeah it's, a, yeah, it's a good one.
0: So no matter of your Couch the 5K just go couch
3: to dragons back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, give it a, a couch, to the, yeah, couch to dragons back. That's it. i you uh, write
0: you a plan. It's basically eat lots of sandwiches. Sign up, and uh, within a week before turn up, and uh, yeah, you'll, you'll do fine.
3: That's it. Plenty of hollandaise. Keep the sandwiches in your pants to keep them wet for the whole duration. And seven hours in, tuck in because you'll be able to drink the, those hollandaise and cheese sandwiches down. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well mate thanks so much for coming on it's as entertaining as I hoped it would be and uh, if there's anything we can do to support you in the future do let us know and uh, yeah thanks again
2: cheers man right, as always, cheers
3: buddy hey, bye I can honestly
2: say that was one of the most frightening interviews we've ever done because of the proximity to his face, I feel like we've interviewed someone while standing in a lift with them.
0: Yeah, it 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 genuinely seems like um, one of the scenes from Twelve Monkeys. <laughs> yeah.
2: Where it was manic. It's like yeah, manic. Like
0: yeah, well, they're coming from the future, and he's in a different <laughs> different world. But I, I mean, I think he's. It's not often that we'll get a guest on
2: who is who is really unprepared yeah no absolutely absolutely i love that the honesty of it as well
0: yeah and that's the thing it sounded like with the dragon's back he he did interview a lot of people you know he he spoke to the experts he'd he'd done a lot of preparation for the documentary but not for his his body
2: (laughs) no no but it shows you, doesn't it? That preparation comes in lots of different forms. That you don't, you can think you're prepared in 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 one way, but actually, when it comes down to it, not having done. I mean, you can read about it, you can ask people about it, you can get as much advice as you want, but unless you actually train on that terrain, or even just even getting the used to the multi day element to it, the multi day element is a really hard thing. I I try, I I keep trying to think back to when. I did my first multi-day event and the amount of stuff that you learn about your body and everything else through just doing that continual getting up and running again is, is something that you will that you value like forever in terms of your, and it really makes you understand the limitations of your body and what, what you need to do. And so if you don't I think do really that. it's really
0: good for injury management as well.
2: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Absolutely. You know, you know how your body feels when it's tired versus when it's injured.
2: But like a multi, but the thing is that you add something some ele, the extra element of the elevation on that, and as well, you know, the terrain mm. itself. Running like in North Wales is hard, you know, running on like Snowdon um, uh, and all around that. It's not like you know, it's not you are,
0: it's not a packed trail.
2: No, no, it's not. It's not this. You know, this, this, this scree. There's all types of stuff. It's 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 treacherous, and especially if like it rains or something else like that. I mean, even on a good day. It's a, it's a struggle, and it, it's a struggle as well if you're used to running at a decent pace because you are going down to a crawl, essentially, mm. not an actual crawl. Although I imagine in some parts you are scrambling crawl style um, to, get, to get across stuff. Um, so so there's, a, there's a big mental thing as well to, to do with it. If you're, if you're a good runner and you're, you're getting to a situation where your, your progress is really slow in a race, you're tired, you're fatigued, you've got your your food all wrong because, you know, there are no aid stations or anything else. It it just must add up. Like mentally going into that third, fourth, fifth day just must be really hard.
0: And actually, you you, you picked, you mentioned it there, but hadn't thought of that. Having, and it's, Marathon de Sable, I think it's short enough distances on the, the other than the long day, that the aid stations are just kind of ticking through. Yeah. But the difference between having an aid station where you can get a seat, you can get a cup of tea, you can get crisps, and as you say, the aid station, it's something to lo- it's something to look forward to as a marker. Yeah. But it's it's not a positive reinforcement of like lovely. It's not something like oh, just get there and it's going to be wonderful. It is just that I get there, and it's no different than a uh, mile yeah. sign.
2: And it's neg- and, but there is a, There's a negative connotation to it that if you don't get there, you're out because the, mm-hmm. that's the point of the aid station. The aid station is there as a as a, as a checkpoint. And so it it it's like it's that battling against something. It's a it's a subtle difference, but it's a, it's that battling against something, which if you're making hardly any progress, um not because you're not quick or not because of anything else, but because the terrain you're going over is just you know I mean like running downhill, if you don't if you haven't got the knack of running downhill, especially on that terrain. uh, I, with no I, sticks yeah oh yeah absolutely without I mean that to me that seems insane yeah um if you're, if you're not experienced um and that the, that holding you back it must be just so frustrating so frustrating that it feels like so much of it is out out of your control that must have been the worst part of it
0: yeah and I love the fact that the race allows you to start within <laughs> a, a time period because That to me is brilliant because I know that I'd be there wanting
2: to sleep in for as long as possible, wanting to put off starting for as long as possible. But you'd 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 know that if you have done multi-day because most people would think, well, surely I want to get up at six and start straight away. But unless you've done a multi-day event and know how you're going to feel day four, day five, you you may not manage that very well. So it really does benefit experienced multi-dayers.
0: But it's also that risk of how late do i leave it because you you're i'd probably go out not leaving leaving a contingency so that if you get lost before your first checkpoint you're out yeah and that's that's it sadly the documentary i don't think is is on um the bbc anymore you can see it online uh, for a small fee but um yeah, you'll see the the guy who's clearly a very good runner and just miscalculated his first checkpoint coming in two minutes late, and he's begging with Steve, who is a very experienced runner. You know, he's he's the guy that wins the Om quite often, which is an insane level of um, ability to be able to do that. And he's he's just like, I'm sorry, mate, I can't let you through because those are the rules. And if I change it for you, even though it makes sense what you're saying, and I know you'll catch up and then it leaves me open yeah. to have to let everyone else through who asks, who might not be quite as um, likely to meet the next, the make the next checkpoint, but I can't, you know, and so it's, it's really, really harsh. You think how long he'd have been training and, and you just, I think actually the guy who was arguing with Steve is, is probably the frustration of his himself. Yeah coming out as much as anything else because you'd be so angry with yourself and there's nothing worse than I'd, I'd rather someone else let me lets me down than i let myself down because at least i can get angry with them and feel like there's injustice whereas when you've fucked up yourself you're like it's just that self-loathing you're like what i'm why i'm such an idiot and it's it's a lot harder to get over that i think yeah but he must be a phenomenal athlete. I mean, he, he obviously downplays it a lot and he clearly doesn't train well enough. But it was more the, the cycling challenge where, that he mentioned. Yeah, I've done some quest stars where I've struggled on fairly basic downhills because it's chalk or just because it gets a little bit faster than I'm used to. I can't imagine how hard that would have been as someone who hasn't been training specifically for it to go in um, it's just it's just another level
2: yeah, I think that there's, there's a there's a real skill and a real ability around that that adaptability when it comes to to sport that you're thinking about you know that you you go into something and you master it. Um, but being able to switch between it and being able to have the balls to be able to do that as well, with no, you know, that like sheer, I don't know what would you call it, like resilience or something, to be able to to, to look at that and go, yep, I can do that, or I'll, yeah. I'll give that I'll give that a bash. I loved it. I loved the what he was saying about triathlon. <laughs> did it for eighteen months. Yeah, did as well as I could in it. Moved on. <laughs>
0: Yeah, and and also just sick of the kit. Everyone else loves that, but
2: yeah, I mean um, that's that's a, that's a key part of it, isn't it? A key part of it that you know, um, that you only you, you only get so far with the with with the kit that you've got. But I like yeah, you know, it's just really interesting. Someone that just that can jump between those things and take on a new challenge because it's it's exciting. Um, and I think there's a lot of like a lot of do that will certainly. Feel the same, um, you know, yeah. without, without having the ability to necessarily you know jump between adventures because of work or, or whatever.
0: Um, I mean, the good thing is he's he's never really putting in himself in a position of failure because if he didn't finish that cycling race, well, of course he didn't finish a cycling race. He doesn't know what he's doing. It <laughs> he just turned up, and so it, there there isn't really anything i'm sure he would see it as a failure failure if he didn't actually finish the whole thing yeah. but it's very different approach to someone who trains for 9 months with a specific goal in mind because there's an absolute this is success this is failure whereas for him it's quite a good way of approaching things because it's a success yeah if you finish you're an absolute hero if you don't finish you've already finished crazy things before so everyone's like wow that sounds insanely hard you are such a hero for even getting that that
2: far does that apply to everything David? does that Mm, apply to say nuts? (laughs) because I'm not sure I'm not sure that does I'm not sure that
0: well I think the trouble is that that the difference is that when Hugh was doing this cycling race he didn't have an ill-prepared Lee Stewart Evans finishing it in a faster time (laughs) Just to, just to give it its relative value. <laughs> I think that was your issue, that if, if no one else who we knew was, was there doing it, you could, have, you could have told the story you
2: wanted to. No, but no, because but that's then... the thing. no, wait, 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 you, you've added ill-prepared there. He, he was an experienced OCR runner by the time he got to, got to nuts. Mm, it's not how he tells it. Well, he'd run OCRs before. Had he? Well, he'd done a couple, more than me. Okay,
0: okay, I mean, if you need to tell yourself that jD then...
2: <laughs> why are we revisiting this
0: <laughs> In fact nuts was last weekend by um by quitting summer nuts, so uh easy nuts, you mean easy nuts easy nuts exactly the nice nuts that would be a uh, dry rice The nuts. nice
2: yeah that's it so so yeah but you you're absolutely right the the, the your measure of success changes, doesn't it? Because you don't have to, if you don't finish it, you know, of course you don't finish, but if you do finish, then you're an absolute legend.
0: Yeah. And and actually he's in such a nice position because I think part of the stress and the pressure that comes in races is the amount of time you have spent dedicating to it. the, The number of sacrifices you've made in your own personal life and potentially also the, the amount of money you spent. So those three things all add up pressure on making sure that you do well or else you feel like you've wasted um, money, time, you know, so opportunities. He doesn't have any of those because he blags his way in, doesn't train for it, and um, doesn't sacrifice anything. So it, there's no pressure from that either. So he's just going in there as a hero already. And no matter what, you're coming out as a hero.
2: Yeah. So, approach.
0: do bad. We want to know. We want you now. If you're listening to do of course,
2: listen. Um, now... <laughs> well, How could you're... you not be? But
0: let me <laughs> know. You... the
2: transcription of this right now. Yeah. Can you hear me at the back? <laughs> shout,
0: shout up if you can't hear me at the back. So, um, so you now all need to sign up to the next ridiculous event you hear of that you don't think you're prepared for or know anything about. Just sign up for it. Tell them you're a sports writer or a blogger. I mean, everyone's a blogger. A blogger, an influencer. Say you're an influencer. Oh, they love that. Yeah, and then if they, like, what are your numbers on Instagram? I'm not that kind of influencer. Yeah, yeah,
2: exactly. It's all about engagement. Mm -hmm. Just say it's all about engagement. That's what you say. You say it's not about about reach. It's about engagement. And if you knew, you'd know what that meant.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, oh, my God, I'm such a big deal. But, yeah. (laughs) emperor's new clothes it's that kind of uh salesmanship so sign up for the next event you see that just seems ridiculous and um although my only worry is we do do, if we do that people are going to die and our listenership is going to go down
2: Oh, I don't know. I don't know. The thing is, by doing this, we're also setting ourselves up for having a bunch of stories that would be great. Because we at the start, of, so at the start of this episode, of course, we're asking for people to turn up completely. If you've turned up completely unprepared, and now we're actually telling them to do it, so we've gone from <laughs> we've gone to basically creating content for future podcasts and stories. Um, Perfect. And but-
0: by coincidence, we're launching our new event. <laughs> <So> you, can, <laughs> yeah. so you can sign
2: up for now. The impossible challenge. <laughs> I don't think I don't, but, think. I don't think. I don't think. There's. I don't think you can actually come up with a name that hasn't been used before. Now, for an event that involves it not being known or being impossible or something. I think. I think they've run out of extreme names for for stuff. Should we just say the easiest challenge? The, the easy easiest challenge. challenge. Yeah. There
0: we go. We'll spell it E Z with E Z or something like that, just to jazz it up. <laughs> jazz and then, up. branding and then, experts. <laughs> and then all we'll say, all we'll say is the instructions. Like this is impossibly hard. You will fail. You just turn up on the day, and um, and then the kit list is it could be any one of these, and you put ten thousand things down there, and then people don't
2: know what they're actually turning up for. No, no, what we, no, no. What you, what we do is we send them a letter that says, "Don't, don't listen to a word we say." Now open this envelope, and it opened the envelope, and it says, "You failed straight away." So <laughs> instantly, yes, like, yes. Oh no, we've let, we've already told them. Oh god, damn it. We, we do this before this episode comes out, so we've got at least eighteen months. Yeah, we've got a long time. <laughs> that's that's
0: true. That is absolutely true. Um, I think this is a great event that people just turn up not knowing what the event is.
2: Um, I, aren't there a lot of events like that already?
0: Yeah, but they, you always have an inkling of what it is.
2: But, but then those are things where you have to what this is this down is, a tree, or we joke about. We joke about this not being a cult and everything. But isn't this the ultimate in leap of faith? You pay for something, you turn up just because we tell you to, and then and then what happens?
0: And also, we we give clues for like turn up at the start. You need to find out where the start is and what time. And then we don't do anything. And people just feel, but we put all these cryptic clues around the internet and then people feel they've just failed in their ability
2: to decipher the code. But actually we've just done nothing. Keep all the money. <laughs> no, no. And then what we do is when someone finds something brilliant, we go, yeah, that was right. That was, well, that was, <laughs> yeah, yeah that, that was the correct clue. That was That's the correct, correct answer. Yeah." <laughs>
0: that's a great idea yeah perfect so i think we could put on a race because we always do events that clash with ride london how about we put on a what
2: i liked what you did the other week is that we we talked about you know the deaths at ride london um and all the thing and then when you promoted the episode you tagged them into it on social media (laughs) (laughs) They need to know. They need to know. (laughs) still, we we're going to we're going to we're going to talk about your event, and we'll also try and tap into your social media network as well. How about we?
0: um, How about we we organise a race where you have to cycle the the route of Ride London in the opposite direction. In the opposite direction, same day. Now that would be amazing.
2: (laughs) So what is it? So this so the this is the. Basically, this is the easiest challenge. That's what it's going to be called, the easiest challenge.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's, and we, we just reverse it. It's uh, Eddie Unnod.
2: Is that right? <laughs> <laughs> We've got it in Welsh as well. That's brilliant.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's just assume it's a Hugh production. Um, quality. Well, um, do as Let us know what you've signed up for, having been inspired by this 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 episode.
2: Or let us know... <laughs> Uh, things that you run uh, that you basically were absolutely disastrous at that you thought we were going to absolutely boss but it turned out you were a complete failure
0: and actually this ties in Claire and I are already doing some wedding uh, planning even though it's two years ahead and one of the things we're potentially going to do is a talent show <laughs> for the evening as part of the entertainment <laughs> Cause the idea of having like a, a band for three hours i just find incredibly boring because yeah. you end up with everyone going oh we're dancing to the killers but actually god kill me um so i think the idea of a talent show we haven't decided yet whether we decide what your talent is or not and you then have you, to perform you
2: find the greatness in people and it's just <laughs> you, you you release it in them and this is their opportunity they might not know what their greatness is yeah, exactly, exactly.
0: So uh, we're just we're toying with that at the moment. But do bad is we need to know who you feel anyone you've ever met has been the least prepared, but unknowingly least prepared and had the biggest failures in ultras or even even a five k. I mean, if someone has been ill prepared for five k, I mean that is impressive. So let us know um, if you're new to the podcast because you have a love of Welsh, a love of Hugh or a love of the spine. Uh, some other good episodes to listen to if the ronda marie dragon's episode. back
2: it's the spine different yeah spine race is the the one that's up the uh oh up the Peak dragon's district ba- Pete district isn't it
0: is it ah oh, okay apologies I, I was not aware of that so the, the dragon's back um, but if you if you like those types of uh runners episodes stories then the ronda marie one which hopefully has come out by now is insane she's talking about multi-day event where she's running blind and unguided um we've spoken to robbie Britton, james elson two incredible runners from the uk uh, robbie talks about the uh spartathlon talks about 24 hour relay so 24 hour race for england um and james talks about centurion running and his view on 100 milers we spoke to John about, what's John's surname, about the Barclay Marathons.
2: And we've got one coming up with Harvey from Badwater. So, Oh, yeah. That's a, that's a cracking collection. That really is, isn't it? It's a cracking yeah. collection. This some good people. Well done. Well done for getting them on and tricking them. Boom, boom. <laughs> but um, if there's anyone else you'd
0: like us to interview, do message us either letters at badboyrunning.com, get in the Facebook group,
2: messages directly, anything like that. We do go out and invite them on um if you want to buy merch badboyrunning.com there is merch there go on go for it don't message me message Lorna Spain and actually I no longer have a
0: race top because I've given it to Ross um to wear on the podium so uh, I need I need merch now you so need we, merch. yeah I'm hoping it arrives before tomorrow morning I oh, know no, no. <laughs> it's too late I'm going to have to wear that sh- that, that um, lovely two times U top, which sadly has horrific printing, which is my own fault. Classic knockoff.
2: Classic knockoff. It's the thing. It's the it's the it's the look for autumn winter collection.
0: Yeah, it is absolutely. I I might need to print off a Comic Sans one and uh, and use that instead. <laughs> with an asterisk. With an asterisk. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Amazing. Right, then, man. Well, thanks for listening. Please subscribe. Please do review us on iTunes. Um, tell your friends, and we'll be back next week.
1: Bye, bye 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 Baby
2: come back bye 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 bye. Bye bye, bye 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 I must admit I was a clown To be messing around But that doesn't mean that you have to leave town Come back Yes and give me one more try Cause I'll love like
1: this Should I never ever die Come back yes. uh, f- Fuck you buddy <laughs>